This is Manga Mavericks episode 31. We're a podcast that talks about not only manga as a medium, but as an industry. And I'm your host, La Mamiyasha. Wait a minute, what's this? I don't usually normally introduce the show. That's Colton's job. Where is he? Where is he? Oh, what? Who do I hear just now? No, can it be? You have returned with Orchid Uh, hi, V-Lord here. Why are you here? What have you done with Colton this time, you scum? I don't know. Colton just went to go get a pack of cigarettes. And he had to go to Anime St. Louis to get them? That's very suspicious. Yeah, I know. I mean, everyone has to get that pack of cigarettes, though. He's abandoning the podcast just as a father has abandoned his child, leaving them in the car to wait forever and ever, but never to return. Yeah, pretty much. Well, that's fine. At least you're here, and together we can do the job of covering all this manga news! Yay! You have no enthusiasm. I'm so disappointed. Don't you know manga's in a great place this much? Don't you know how many exciting things you have to talk about? Why, just think about the April book scan list. Do you know how many manga are in the April book scan list, we lord? Do you? Um, I think there was like five? No! There are thirteen! <laughs> thirteen manga volumes! And guess which is at the top of the manga list? It's Boruto, Warren! The next generation of Naruto! Boruto was number two! Wait, so Boruto was number one or number two? It was it was number two, but it, it's the top of the manga. Oh, okay. But it's number two in terms of overall graphic novel. I thought Boruto just did so well that they gave it rankings. No, Boruto might be, it might have done great, but it's no Saga. Saga was number one. Hmm, well, okay. But not too far behind Boruto, and number three is Tokyo Ghoul Volume 12. There's a lot of Tokyo Ghoul once again this week. We got the first volume ranked in number 11, and the 11th volume ranked in number 18. Street Tokyo Ghoul volumes! Yay. Yay. And also, Zelda is doing great. We got the Twilight Princess book ranked in number 6, and the third volume of the Legendary Edition covered Majora's Mask and Link to the Past at number 8, whereas the first volume covering Ocarina of Time is at number 16, and the second volume covering Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons is at number 19. So much Zelda! Breath of the Wild. <laughs> it's like, increased the popularity of Zelda, I think. No. That's probably an accurate say, but it's increased the popularity of the Zelda manga, maybe, because yeah. everyone's into Breath of the Wild. They're all in the Zelda zone, so they want more, as much Zelda as they can get, and they don't have a TV show to go watch, unless they want to watch that old crappy one, <laughs> but instead they go and read the manga, because the manga is in stores, and there's so much of it, and it's coming all the major games. Like, when is the Breath of the Wild manga going to come out? Because when it does, it's going to blow the charts, sweet lord. It's going to blow Oh, the charts! Yeah, I mean, the Zelda bong has always sold, like, pretty well, but it's good to see them being boosted by the game. Definitely. But I guess Attack on Titan hasn't been boosted that much by the next season. I mean, the 21st volume is at number 9, but that's the only volume in the top 20. That's not that big of a boost. Has Attack on Titan, it has the bubble burst? I, I don't think so. I mean, Attack on Titan's still very big. I just feel that... 
maybe it's taking people a while to really get engaged into season two, or maybe some are waiting to watch it later. But the big twist happened! We lord the big twist! The Titans! The Colossal Titan and the Armor Titan! They, their identities were revealed! I mean, I, I think a lot of people already knew their identities. I think after waiting this long for the season, some people just spoiled themselves to who they were. Maybe when they find out about Madagascar, maybe then the popularity will surge again. What the fuck's Madagascar? You'll know when you're older. Well, get out now. I'm just confused. I want to move it, move it. I want to move it, move it. I want to what move it. What, what does this have to do with Attack on Titan? Because Titans like to dance and watch the Madagascar movies. They're looking forward to the Fort movie. Lord, they're, they're making one. It's going to be a crossover with Attack on Titan. I, I'm, I'm not going to question this, um, but see, I'm just confused. Attack on Titan has this great new season coming out, and it's only a number nine with this new volume coming out, but Monster Moves to me, like that anime, that's natural second season never going to be made of that, but the newest volume of that, the 11th volume, that's ranked in number 10, only one spot below. So what does this say about Attack on Titan? It's not that much more popular than Monster Moves to me, Weelord. I mean, it's hard to say, because I don't really think that Titan is necessarily dying in popularity. I just think that maybe after so long, people are just don't want to invest in the series until it's over, maybe. Because it has, Titan still has such a large casual appeal. I just can't see it just completely, like, nosediving in overall popularity. Especially since it still has been doing very good the past, like, Four years that it hasn't had an anime. I can see your point. But in terms of the series, I don't think it's going to ever drop in popularity. We've got One Punch Man with two volumes on this list. With the 11 volume at number 12 and the first volume at number 14. Now, that's ranked lower than the newest Attack on Titan volume. But keep in mind, there are two volumes in the top 20 as opposed to Titan 1. So I think in the war between Titan and Punch Man, the Punch Man, One Punches... Titans out of the way! I mean, yeah, Saitama could kill those Titans. Why don't they just bring Saitama in? He'd solve the entire plot of Attack on Titan right away. I guess so, but it's not time for that. Instead, it's time to duel once again, because the first volume of Yu-Gi-Oh! Art V has ranked at number 17. I don't understand what's going on in that manga. I've been reading ever since it's been running in the English Shonen Jump. I'm reading the chapters and I'm trying, okay, how do the duels work? What what are entertainment duels? What what are these types of summons? I don't understand it. I just... Do they still do speed duels? I don't even know what those are. It's when they're on the motorcycle and they play the card Oh, that's what they're called. I guess so. Their characters are riding on the motorcycles. So I guess they're still doing those. There are too many types of dueling. There are too many combinations. I don't. I can't keep up with this. I feel maybe old. You, maybe you should start like back in like the GX spinoff manga and just work your way up. No, you know what? I'm gonna stick with the original because at least I can understand the original. Like the rules, they don't make sense, but at least the story does. You know? But the speed duel, Sid, it doesn't have speed duels. Well, it has dungeon dice monsters and. That's just a mini arc. It doesn't count. <laughs> it has other stuff. The first seven volumes have a variety of games that were that were interesting. Besides the uh, the dual monster, and they made sense. They weren't as complicated as dual monsters become because they needed some more cards, and some more cards they need more complex things to. I think 
think also uh, retcon rules too in Yu-Gi-Oh. It's changing too much. I can't keep up like, with it. I, uh, yeah. But moving on, we've got some new mod coming up from some prestige creators. First up, we're gonna rock out because Detroit Metal City's mangaka Kimura Wakasugi is launching a new manga this month called Ramen Man about a young rapper as a protagonist. Oh yeah, another musical manga, probably gonna be a subversive comedy, just like DMC, probably gonna be a good time. Looking forward to that. You've never watched DMC because you're a casual, but, yeah. but it's, it's yeah, good. Yeah, I'll watch it eventually and read it eventually. If it's on my backlog. I'll get to it eventually. Yeah, just like you get the Panty Pony Dash, never. But the creator of Panty Pony Dash, or Panty Pony rather, that's what the manga is called, the anime is called Panty Dash. Anyway, Hikaru Hikawa is launching a manga about video streamers, basically about YouTubers. They're not actually going to call them YouTubers because that's copyrighted, but basically about YouTubers. Basically, like two girls who are YouTubers, and that's like, wow, a manga about YouTubers. The YouTube and anime analysis community is gonna love this when it becomes an anime. Anyway, I'm looking forward to that because I like Crime Play Dash. I also like Kids on the Slope, so Yuki Kodama launching his new series in July. That has me excited as well. I don't think we know what her yeah, new series is gonna I don't be. Think given but it's gonna, it's gonna be debuted in the September issue of Monthly Flowers on July 28th. Yeah. And uh, I like Kids on the Slope, so looking forward to her next work, and I should read Tsukikage Baby sometime. Yeah, I don't think it's even translated. At least not that very far. Yeah. Viz, license it. It's Shungaku title. You're our only hope. And go license Kazuhiro Fujita's stuff. Please. Yes, please. We need more than the ghost and the lady. We need that Tsubite must be destroyed goodness, brother. Yeah. But let's move on to some things that are on hiatus or coming back from hiatus. And so first up is Noragami is going on hiatus because of the mangaka's health problems. He's been suffering an illness. The editorial staff doesn't know when they are going to return. I mean, specifically, like, the creators in Noragami, they're two people. We don't know which of the two people are ill. Either way, they can't return until, like, uh, whoever is ill is back in action. So, yeah, it's on indefinite hiatus. That's a shame, because I like Noragami. I'm not even caught up with it, but it's a shame, because Noragami's a good series. Yeah. Well, where's our third season, Bones? Yeah, when we need our third season. Yeah. I know you want to make that MHA season two with its slow pacing, <laughs> but just give us a little bit of that Noragami goodness, man. Yes. Maybe, well, you didn't do Princess Jellyfish. Who did Princess Jellyfish? Brainspace! Brainspace, give us more Princess Jellyfish, because Akiko Higashimura is resuming Princess Jellyfish in June after it's been on hiatus since last January. It's probably going to come back for its final couple of chapters, because it's near the ending, so it might even end this year, which will make me both sad and happy, because this is one of my favorite manga, but it's going to be pretty sweet. We, we need a remake of Princess Jellyfish. Yeah, but I think if they were were to remake Princess Jellyfish, it would probably go to Studio Shuka, since I think that's where all the old Brainspace staff now works. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, they have to redo it from the ground up, I think, because, you know, the anime that's the original anime, yeah. so... Yeah, I mean, talking about Higashimura, though, after Jellyfish is over, is she going to be working on anything? Because Tariraba Girls is also ending. Uh, so, does she have any other ongoing series? I think she does. I don't remember what it is on the top of her head. But even if she doesn't, she'll probably just make a new series. She's yeah, a pretty probably. prolific 
Tangata. Yeah, unless it gets cancelled like that other one that she tried to work on. The only reason why that got cancelled is stupid. Yeah. But, another thing that's coming back is Kurosaki's Court's Delivery Service, which is rebooting with a new arc in June. Huh. Rebooting, it's, it's kind of a translation of the word Sashido, which means starting again. So it can go two ways. Either that it's rebooting in terms like it's, in the comic book sense, like it's like resetting the timeline, the status quo, or it's just continuing. Yeah. But the announcement for it said that the reboot will have a wider scope, global scale. The ball's in the ball's in the air here about like which way this is gonna go. But yeah, Kurosaki Court's delivery service. We have the first three omni buy of that. I still haven't got around to it. But did Dark Horse even release the entire thing? They're still releasing it. It's an ongoing series. Oh, I thought they stopped releasing it. No, they're, they're still doing it. Huh. Well, okay. I mean, why would they be releasing omni buy if they weren't continuing it? I don't know. Dark Horse is weird like that. How long has it taken us to get Blow by Kid Volume 9 said? How long? Well, I think the plan with Dark Horse <laughs> is that they're going to be releasing Kurosaki in design by form going forward instead of the single volumes. Because they haven't done a single volume for it since uh, 2015. I don't know, really. But either way, Kurosaki is back. You're going to get more of it. Cool series, uh, from what I've heard. Yeah. 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 And if you want to know something extra, the Fate Zero Monk is going to get an extra chapter in the July issue of Young Ace. Uh, it ended, like, pretty recently, but yeah. an extra chapter. I don't know what that'll be, but... Uh, Darkers is also releasing that, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah. So... There's that to look forward to, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know what will be in this extra chapter. It might not even be that significant. But Have you ever read the Fate Zero manga? You love the Fate Zero anime. That's one of your favorite anime. Yeah, but the source material is light novels, so I've only really checked out the light novels. Light novels? The original novel? Oh, wait, no. Fate Zero is all based on the light novel, you're right. Yeah. Or, that's that's Stainite. Stain you gotta I, get your Fate stuff in order, Sid. Right. Fate Stainite's the visual novel. Yeah. It, it's too confusing, this timeline. I, I don't know who, <laughs> who, who does the black. I don't, I don't, uh, whatever. Face Zero, the show, just a standalone I like. I, I don't, I don't know about this other franchise and this confusing, twisting thing. You know, I, I might read this manga if they make Omnibuy editions of it, you know, sometime down the line. So, and speaking of Omnibuy, they're gonna be making a 1970s to 80s science fiction and fantasy shoujo manga Omnibus featuring Motoko Hagiyo and Keiko Takamiya, acclaimed shoujo mangaka who have a variety of highly acclaimed works, and there's going to be like 106 color cover stations contributed to Hayao Kawabonko by female manga artists, variety of articles related to science fiction and fantasy. So it looks pretty cool. Readershot is going to be publishing this. It's going to come out on April 20th. So it already came out. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if you're in Japan, you can, you can go get this. And if you're not in Japan, you're out of luck. But maybe, maybe someone will license this and bring it over. Because it's like, cool to have like this uh, omnibus collection of short stories. And Hagio's uh, is the name of at least some people now, I think. Yeah. Moving on, something I'm looking forward to is Mari Yamazaki, the mangaka behind Termi Romei. She's drawing a new manga, a manga about the Bulgari founder for World Japan. Uh, Bulgari being a jewelry store. And so she's writing about uh, the founder called Soitoros Vulgaris. 
And he travels back in time with Skeeter. After this to ancient Rome. It's, it's going to be Terminator Romeo all over again. But about Julie oh instead God. of that. It's, it's, that's great. So is it also going to get a bad anime adaption? I don't know. But if the, <laughs> it gets a, but if the manga like goes on for considerable length, it gets licensed. I'm going to read this for sure. <laughs> like, it's the same story but with Julie. Oh, that's great. Uh, it's going to be a three chapter series. So it'll probably only be a one-volume work. It's going to be serialized September to November issues of World Japan. So those will come out in July 28th, August 28th, and September 28th, respectively. So yeah, if you're a fan of Mario Yamazaki and Short Mary that might be a fun time. Also coming out soon is the 34th volume of Honor Honor that's coming out on June 26th. Are you yeah. excited? I, I guess. I mean, I'm surprised it took them this long to release volume 34. Yeah. Since... There's been, like, ten chapters worth of material uncollected for a while. Yes, they were expecting, oh, Takashi will come back sooner, and then we'll start doing this, like, so you're gonna have multiple volumes, like, back to back. I'm guessing they just wanted to space it out, like... I guess. Because one volume last year, one volume this year. Yeah, actually, that's a good strategy, because yeah. <laughs> even if there's only one volume, Hunter is gonna sell gangbusters. Because, so. like, I- I'm guessing from a financial perspective, it makes more sense to have Hunter Hunter, which sells, like, a lot per volume, spacing that out between two fiscal years. It does make a lot of sense. I agree. Yeah, so I'm not sure, like, some people were saying, oh, this must be a sign that Togashi's coming back. I don't think this is a sign Togashi's coming back soon, necessarily. Yeah, recently there was even an announcement by some, I'm thinking, editor that was like Hunter Hunter will be still be on a hey, hiatus because he has back problems and illnesses, you know? Yeah, so, so like, I think this is just pretty much a release strategy by Shueisha themselves. Them thinking, okay, Togashi's not going to come back for a while. Let's space out these volume releases so that we get the maximum amount of profit possible from them. Exactly. I think it makes sense, and it makes a lot of sense considering how well just one volume does. Why not just make sure you save it up and release it at the right time, and, like, you can gain a bunch of profit from the fan base. Exactly. For the year. I mean, the one thing I'll definitely be looking forward to with this volume is seeing the cover, because I always like the Hunter Hunter covers. Yeah, I like the cover of uh, 30th Street with Karabuka. That was cool, so I'm looking forward to what he does with 34. So, Hunter Hunter, who knows when we'll come back. But I'm looking forward to seeing that come back one of these days. Yeah, ten years from now, we'll be looking back and thinking, huh, Hunter Hunter still isn't even close to being done. But, you know, I can be continually happy with the fact that a manga series I really like is still going on. You know, like, like the deck of Conan, right? <laughs> I'm not, oh, I don't always keep up with the newest stuff. I you like don't keep up with it, Sid. Don't <laughs> lie to yourself. <laughs> I don't. But, 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 you know, I, just the fact that it's still going on is very comforting to me. It gives me so much joy <laughs> when I can go on Crunchyroll and I see, oh, there was a new Conan episode. And it was about Sunoko and her boyfriend or whatever. Makoto. And it's like, ah, oh, that's, that's pretty neat. But, at the same time, when there's a manga that I don't like, <laughs> I can take pleasure in the fact that it is ending soon. I can take pleasure in the fact that, okay, this is going to end sometime. This is going to end sometime, right? 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 I felt like that way with Bleach for four years, and then we were all four years. We, we, we all suffered through Bleach. Okay. It was bad. They're all waiting. They're all waiting for it to end. Uh, but it, it, it took so four years. Bad. It took nothing, four years. But nothing happened. Yes, but when it did end, how satisfying was that? And that's 
how I'm gonna feel when Fairy Tale ends, because Hiro Mashima recently came out and said that Fairy Tale will be ending in two more volumes, Ooh. and I'm gonna I'm gonna replicate what this guy ever did in his like uh, reaction to this news and go celebrate good times. Come on, it's a celebration. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I I don't really uh. hate Fairy Tale that much to like dance on its grave, you know. Dance on its grave, city deserves it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's wrong overdue for Fairy Tale to end. It's going to be ending pretty soon. I mean, if you've been reading Fairy Tale, if you've been keeping up with it, knowing what's going on, it's like, yeah, this is this has to be ending soon, right? This has to be ending soon. But you know, it's just kept going and going. I got worried. Oh no. Oh no, is this not going to end soon? Is is he going to do something after this arc? Oh no. Oh no, but nope. He's gonna end it. It's just gonna I mean, they're, they're promoting the Dragon Cry form or whatever it's called. Like, this is gonna hype you up for the final arc of Fairy Tale. But it's been in the final arc, so yeah. So it was gonna end eventually, right? Yeah, but it's yeah. gonna be ending s- soon. That, that's yeah. Okay. It'll probably okay. end this summer. Yeah, which is I mean satisfying. Yeah, week on a weekly release, two volumes should come out by the end of this year. I might resume writing fairy tale chapter <laughs> reviews just to watch it suffer. I'd be the one suffering. Oh yeah, you you'd be suffering. But yeah. I'd be I'd be watching. Yeah, finally, finally, inching closer, inching closer to be gone. I don't have to read it anymore. So the final like, chapter just doesn't even get a start. Zero <laughs> there is that option. I could do that. I could. I could legitimately. Wait, you're allowed to do that? Uh, yeah, I think I could. Oh, so. or you could give it five stars because it's <laughs> so satisfying to see God. That's another way to go with it. But yeah, so fairy tale yeah. is going to be ending around the sixty-third volume. If there's only two volumes left, that's like eleven to twenty more chapters. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's gonna be like in three months, it's gonna be in. So, sweet. And, uh, Dragon Cry, the film that came out already, I think, it's coming out this month. And, uh, Funimation's gonna put that out in theaters, and me and Wheelard are gonna go see it, and we're gonna do a manga ever dad movies about it. You're gonna make me see that film? I told you I was gonna make you see that film. Uh, but I don't wanna! Well, you're gonna have to. You have to suffer with me. I, I barely know anything about fairy tale aside from like the first arc. It's fine. You Do can... I have to go read fairy tale now? Uh, maybe. Maybe okay. you can read it and you can be a guest on our fairy tale episode that we probably may or may not do. Screw catching up with Haikyuu. I'm gonna go read fairy tale. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. So worth it. Oh yeah, it'll, it'll be worth it. You know, to rant about, I guess. I guess. But yeah, Mashima already has plans for his next work, which I will, you know, obviously be reading just out of more curiosity or whatever. I admire Mashima as an artist, you know, I admire that he can be yeah, so productive, yeah. like, he's, that's amazing, but maybe he should also uh, follow the story, I'm just saying. I mean, people still like Rave Master, right? Yeah, they rave about it, but, uh, who knows? You know, maybe Mashima can write maybe something. Maybe he'll make something more legitimate. along the lines of Rave Master, though? Maybe, maybe. Who knows? But that's about it for manga serialization topics, so why don't we move on to the licensing news? We got a bunch of stuff that J Novel Club has licensed. First up, it, they've got It's it's For My Daughter, I'd Even Defeat a Demon Lord by Chirolu and Truffle, who's the illustrator. And that's about a guy called Dale who finds a little girl in a forest, thinks she's cute, and becomes her adopted father. It's uh, pretty sweet, I guess. 
It seems like two pounds. It's like it's like you're taking the Isekai cake on the single dad adopting little kid mm-hmm. like genre. You know, you're merging the two genres here. And so the first 40 pages of that are uh, free to preview on J Novel Club's website. And the book itself is going to be released on June 19th. Then we've got Invaders of the Rokujima. The first three volumes are going to be available for free with a new free volume every month. And then the first half of volume 23 is also available. This series is by Takeha and the illustrator Poco. It's about a guy who has found a moon for dirt cheap, except a bunch of strange girls are also there and they also want the room. I guess because it's so dirt cheap and housing costs so much. Yeah, probably. very relatable. Very relatable. That you had to fight over cheap housing. You just, you just can't get that usually. It's rare. It's so hard. It's just so hard, especially if you're like high school kid and you don't have any money. Yeah, it's so, poor, poor high school kids. So yeah, that's it's going to be pretty easy to read since there's going to be free uh, books every month and stuff. So that should uh, that should be good, good read for some people. We also got Demon King Dime Out, which I believe had an anime at some point. That's yeah. I was looking that up, but this was like a few years ago, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well that series is about Shitara Mizuki. It's about uh, a guy who goes to a magical academy and his his future occupation is prophesized to be the Demon King. Yeah, I just looked it up. This, the anime came out like seven years ago. Yeah, so this uh, light novel series has been going on since 2008. Well, it ended in 2014. Well, 13 oh, volumes. Okay, so it ran for about six years and got uh, 13 volumes. So it's pretty uh, pretty a lengthy, decent-sized run. Yeah. yeah, so Game Club has picked that up. I'm surprised they picked it up, though, considering that, like, it's not relevant anymore. Well, it's a name people might know. Like, yeah. I I remember the name, and I've never watched that actual show. But they've also picked up Infinite Dendrogram by Cyclone Taito. Guess what it's about? It's about virtual reality multi-multiplayer online games. So it's Isekai? Well, Isekai is just general fantasy world stuff. It's not specifically a video game series. Oh, okay. But... You know, it is, it's, it is kind of like... But is it Sorter Online? Yeah. Basically, it's about a, being trapped in a, in a game, again. A, a very realistic game world. So that, that's coming from uh, J Novel Club. I guess it's uh, important to note about J Novel Club is that, uh, you can get a membership for it for about five a month or $54 a year. And it gives, uh, subscribers access to new chapters a week for all its series. And then also, uh, membership to a member only Forum. And if you become a premium member, you can get a free finalized ebook each month in addition to regular member budgets, which costs about 11 each month or 120 a year. And you can get some Seven Seas uh, entertainment titles in particular on there too, so like uh, Cult of Nine or Grimgar. So just just a, a note if you want to, re- if you were piqued by any of these series and you had interest in reading them and you wanted to get a subscription to Jane Owl Club, that's, uh, that's how you can go about it. But Jane Novel is not the only people who are bringing uh, English translations of Latin novels to the U.S. Cross Infinite World, they have announced that they are going to release Akaoni, Contract with a Vampire, and I Became the Secretary of a Hero, and Yuzun Ruten, An Era of Red. Akoni is by Hiroro and illustrator Mokope, about a girl who was kidnapped 
but rescued by a vampire and now has to live in a town full of vampires. Then I Became a Secretary Hero is by Tsukasa Yamazaki and illustrator Kiyokane. It's about a paralegal who returns to her apartment to find a tall, handsome man claiming her little sister is his bride and <laughs> leaps out of the window with her in his arms so she basically kidnaps her. Along the way, he, she encounters a dashing hero and a mage and a priest, and they becomes part of their team and becomes their secretary. So it's a it's a strange premise. They also and so finally, uh, Yuzen Muten by Shino Shirosakura is a, about the hair of a once powerful clan that defied the Bakfu, and he's taken in by an allied clan and raised to one day lead his people to salvation and defeat the evil oppressive government. And he forms a romance with the daughter of the clan who took him in, Saki. Yeah, Swordsman Samurai series. So diverse range of titles by Cross Infinite World. Uh, it seems like there's a lot more companies now that are willing to license light novels, even if they're not necessarily have anime adaptions yet. Yeah, I think that's a good thing to get more light novels. Does this I mean, mean we could get a relicensing of the Slayers novels? Please. We can be optimistic, can't we? Please. <laughs> yeah. At least Kino's journey might. At least Kino's journey might. You know, it's good that, uh, it's good to be optimistic about what kind of light novels will be brought over. Yeah. Because, like, the medium is changing. Like, every, there's more bulk of stuff that's coming over here. Yeah. Like, we can see that with Kodansha USA. They're bringing in manga that, you know, we never would expected them to pick up before. But, like, they're really expanding their catalog. Like, they just licensed a bunch of new stuff, including George Asakura's Drowning Love and Robico's Our Precious Conversations, which they put out digitally on May 16th. Drowning Love told the story of Natsume, a sixth grade girl who had to move from Tokyo to the countryside and met a boy and a, you know, so that's a little romance. It's pretty cute and then we also got Our Precious Conversations, which is about a girl who kept her feelings for a classmate a secret and then, uh, you know, a bunch of misunderstandings and, you know, they, they keep getting in their way. Yeah. So it's a, it's a romantic comedy about, uh, misunderstandings. I know this one is by the creator of My Little Monster. Oh, is it? Yeah, Robico. Okay, yeah. cool. I've heard, I've heard good things about My Little Monster, so I might check this out. Yeah, both of these look like cute little shoujo romance titles. On the flip side, they've also, pu- they're also gonna publish Neo Parasite M, which is another collection of parasite short stories from a bunch of authors, including Hiromashima, a fairy tale fame, Motohagio, as we mentioned before, uh, the creator of Mysterious Girlfriend X, Rikishi Ueshiba, and the creator of Prison School, Akira Haramoto, a bunch of, uh, alongside a bunch of other mangaka. So this is gonna be, uh, quite a collection of short stories based on parasite from a lot of, like, pretty famous mangaka here. Yeah. So, yeah, that's going to come out on November 14th, and uh, I haven't read Neo Parasite F yet. Yeah, looking at the uh, names on, like, Neo Parasite M, though, I'm definitely far more familiar with these mangaka than the ones that were in Neo Parasite F. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I wonder if the, the, this Neo Parasite M will collect the crossover with Fairy Tale that Mashima drew. Maybe. Uh, that'd yeah. be cool. That was, uh, amusing. Like, the entire joke was that they share, that Lucy and me share the same voice actress. So. Oh. <laughs> that was, that was kinda uh-uh. cute and meta humor. But yeah, uh, if you're a Parasite fan, this is something you look forward to. 
But we've also got some stuff from Seven Seas to look forward to as well. Seven Seas continuing to license everything, it seems. Like, wow. Uh, they've got a new work from Okayata. Well, it's not new. Like, it's, it's an old work of his. But there, it's a new license of an Okayata manga. It's called Mama Ma, Magical Director, Michael Chan's Magical Guidance, where she wrote under the name Taki Maru Inui in Magazine Special back in 2010. It's about a girl who excels in the world of magic, but likes men in love. And then she goes in the human world and makes, like, a contract, but an accidental pervert. So, yeah. I mean, one, one thing that I'm noticing about this is that this is a Kondansha title. Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. And maybe Kondansha doesn't have as strict uh, restrictions on, like, who can like this or stuff. Yeah. In fact, several of these are Kondansha titles. No, that's true. So, yeah. The same case with the next one and then one after all of these <laughs> all of them except for the last one yeah so like dna doesn't tell that's Actually, random. No. wait yeah yeah all, all of them except for the last one yeah so dna doesn't tell ran in monthly shown in series that's the canadian magazine that ran from 2015 to 2016 that has two volumes it's about a world where animals suddenly took on the appearance of human girls oh no Oh, Fetid, no. Furry fetishization! Oh no! no. Oh no! Oh, oh, but uh, anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Sorry for my familiar. That is a story about a demon realm where all demons are accompanied by familiars. But uh, one demon chooses a human as a familiar. So it's like familiar zero. It's like yeah. familiar zero. But it probably won't be a harem thing, so it'll be better. Anyway, Crisis Girls from Shonen Magazine Edge is coming out. Uh, that's a two-volume series as well. That's about basically about magical girls who protect the city from monsters. Most of the monsters are... Uh, oh, but like uh, the main girl, Crisis Girl K80, fights monsters with zombie puppets. And she acts like a kid. Wow. And that's then cool. we've got... High Rise Invasion. Oh man, I'm I'm excited for this one because oh, this yeah. one is by the creator of Aji and Demi Human Miura, and it's yeah. like, oh wow, oh wow, yeah. So this looks exciting. Yeah, this is about seems, a. Yeah, it seems like he's doing the art for it, and then the. Well, like yeah, it's from yeah. the ar- artist. Yeah, but yeah. But based on this cover that I'm seeing right now, though, it looks really cool. Oh yeah, it's about a high school student who like finds herself on the top of a high rise building where she sees a guy commit mass mur- a, a murder. In a max, with an axe, and like, she has to find a way out of the building, saving this crazy psychopath killer guy. So yeah, that, that looks pretty sweet. I like the cover a lot. So I'm really looking forward to this. And then finally, we got a manga by Kuro Kyoshinja, yeah. of Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid fame. Uh, his series this time is Mononoke Sharing. It's about a poor high school girl with bad eyesight who uh, moves into a room where her roommates are a bunch of monsters, including a kappa demon, a dog girl, and a snow woman, and Roku, Rokubi, whatever that is. So, wow. Yeah, yeah. Mo- another Monster Girl series from Kogyoshinja. Yeah. I like, if you read my recent review of Kogyoshi's Dragon Age, you'll know I really like that, so, uh, I'm going to definitely check this out because yeah. I'm interested in this guy's work because he has a great sense of humor. He's definitely been making, I think, a lot more attention since uh, Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Yeah. I mean, I can't understand what my husband is saying. Definitely, I think, was got a lot of popularity, but yeah, Dragon Maid is definitely helping. Also, I was wrong. All these are Kondansha titles because this is 
from Young Magazine. Yeah. So, wow. Lots of contentious stuff that's uh, coming out from Seven Seas here. And from some big name doctors. Yeah. In the forms of Okayado and Cole Hyoshinja. So, I guess Seven Seas is trying to push to get stuff from other publishers that their American subsidiaries don't want. Wouldn't it be great if they managed to get stuff from Shigaku-Con? Like Soba can we, Spoon? Can we dream? Get we us Soba-Tay. Please <laughs> get us Soba-Tay. <laughs> we can dream, whether or not our dreams become reality. But at least know now that they can get through Kondansha and Shoisha titles. Yeah, and that's something to celebrate. It's, it's a good thing to celebrate because the manga industry is growing, it's healthy, it's vibrant, lots of new stuff is coming over all the time, and what better way to celebrate it, to continue to celebrate it, is with manga nominated for the Eisner Awards! That's right, for the 2017 Will Eisner Comic Industry Awards, a panel of judges nominated a Moada manga buy-in for the best U.S. edition of the International Material Asia Award, those manga being Good Night Poon Poon by Inio Asano, Orange by Ichigo Takano, The Ozamu Tezuka Story by Toshio Ban and Tesca Productions, Princess Jellyfish by Akiko Higashi Mura, and Wandering Island by Kenji Saruta. Yeah, a Yay. great selection of titles here. Obviously, I'm rooting for Princess Jellyfish, but, you know, I deeply respect all the other manga as yeah. well. They're all great manga, great selections, awesome Nominations. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and Tsuruko Takagashi has again been nominated for the Will Eisner Hall of Fame Awards this year. She's been nominated two years in a row, has not gotten in yet, but maybe her time Hopefully will be the time. chart. How many do they choose? Do they just choose one usually, or yeah, the winner? Yeah, I think they only choose like one or two. Oh, uh, well, hopefully she gets them this time. She deserves it. Yeah, she does. So, yeah. Pretty cool to see manga being celebrated so much. You know, manga industry is growing, but that's all the more reason to put an end to those evil piracy-loving scums. Yar, har, fiddly dee, and the pirate's life me. Scum. Sid, I, I read legal manga. I know, I, it's a joke, it's a bit. You gotta follow the chemistry, the timing. <laughs> but but I anyway. literally read your volume, Sid. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> so, manga publishers, a bunch of them, Kodansha and Chicago in particular, are discussing legal procedures against a site called Free Books, which allegedly allowed users to view and share manga magazines and books without copyright holders' permission. They were led aware of the site last year. They're starting to take down Free Books, kind of rem remove all of their stuff already. But, you know, the companies are keeping an eye on them to see, like, uh, uh, whether or not they you know, reopen their site and they put back their stuff on it. So good. Uh, some some efforts made against manga piracy here. Publishers <laughs> are taking more more vested interest. And that does it up for the news. So why don't we end up with something fun? Last time we had you on here and we uh, did a show together, we talked about uh, some lists. So yeah, why don't we end off with a list this time? So recently, Japanese netizens chose uh, who they thought was the best manga artist. They did so uh, on Goo once again, kind of in tandem to celebrate the upcoming Mookie Shonen Jump exhibitions that are going on for the anniversary. So let's take a look at this list here. Let's, this is the top 20 we've got available from us, and let's kind of see who stands out. Are, are we going to just go down the list, or why not? So at number one, we got Takashi Abata. 
So Yeah, I mean, <laughs> regardless of how you feel about Death Note or even recently Platinum End, Obata's art's always amazing. Yep. Then we got Toriyama number two. Personally, I think he should be number one, but, you know, good yeah. to see that the, the fans respect Toriyama's mastery of his crap. And similar for Takahiko Inoue, who's at number three. Yeah, like, I, I still haven't finished a single Inoue series, but his art just looks amazing. Sekasa Hojo of City Hunter fame is number four. I haven't read it, any of his yeah. I mean, readings are hard a little bit. I, I've, peaked, I've peaked at, like, recent stuff from Angel Heart and stuff. And, yeah, the art's amazing. Even, like, if you go back to City Hunter and stuff, it still looks stunning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Hirohiko Araki of JoJo's needs no introduction, no explanation. Oh, yeah. Totally deserves it. amazing. Masakazu Katsura, uh, of course, very prolific, Jumbangaka. Yeah, you know. the Yuko Eye, DNA Squared. Eyes. Recently, uh, Zet Man. Zet Man looks really, really cool art-wise. Yep, definitely talented. Eichiru Oda, of course, amazingly talented. Oh, yeah. We got Hideaki Sarachi next, which, hmm, you know, a lot of people don't seem to like the art in Gintama manga compared to the anime, but I do think Sarachi's a pretty talented artist. Will Colton chastise those art haters? Hopefully. <laughs> we got Tetsu Ohara, a Fist of North Star, next, yeah, which, he, yeah. He, he has a great art style. I'm surprised to see Shunseki make the top ten. Shunseki, you the are? artist of Food Wars. I, I mean, his know. art's great, but better than Yusuke Murata at number 11? Like, hmm. this is the thing, like, I, I can see definitely the appeal of Shinsaki's art, like, especially on his color pages, it just looks so, like, it's not like a super, like, intricate or detailed thing, but it's so clean and defined. I think hmm. that's what's so appealing about Saiki's art. That's true, and I can yeah. draw some damn sexy women. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we got Kentaro Yabuki at number 12, so. Yeah, like, like Kentaro Yabuki, like. Regardless of how you feel about how trashy Two Love Rue is, his art is like the saving grace. Yeah. His art is always great, and I hope he actually does something useful with it now that Two Love Rue Darkness is over. Hopefully. I'm surprised Masashi Kishimoto is actually this low at number 15. Yeah, that's kind of strange. Yeah, I mean, like, his art's really good. I think that's one of the better parts, the better aspects of Naruto is that he does have some really great art. Hmm. You know, maybe, maybe the Naruto hype's died down a bit. Uh, maybe. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't explain why City Hunter's so high. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm not sure, then. It's just kind of strange, because, yeah, like, personally, I don't feel Kishimoto's, like, an amazing artist. He's a good artist. But, yeah, you'd think, like, considering how popular Kishimoto and Naruto are, he'd be a lot higher. Yoshiro Nagashi's at number 14, and it's hard to evaluate him, because, like, he's so, he can be so bad sometimes, but, like, in other texts, he's, like, amazing, so. Togashi at his best is yeah. amazing, detailed, great. At his worst, stick figures. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, I guess, I guess if people are looking at the volume releases, then, yeah, I guess he's pretty consistent. Outside of, like, the last few volumes of Hockey Show. So, yeah, I, I, I can see him being this place around here on the left. Makes it's sense. satisfying that he's ranked higher than Kubo. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Kubo shouldn't be on this list. He has great honest. character designs. Pretty... Great amazing. character designs, terrible backgrounds. <laughs> if there are any backgrounds yeah. at all. Hiramano is number 16. Don't have too much of an opinion on her. Yeah, I, I don't really I mean, like her color work in Elblot. I've all, seen though. some of, like, the later panels from Reborn, they look pretty nice, but mm -hmm. I don't know, I've never really bothered to get into Reborn, because it didn't really interest me, and for my period, it doesn't really get any better. 
Then we have Asylum Akimoto at number 17. It has a very cartoony style, yeah, but I mean, very good style. Yeah, I mean, I've read, like, the first few chapters and the final chapter, and they look great, character design-wise. And, yeah, I like his character designs and his art style, so it makes sense. Buchi Teresaw is at number 18. He did Cobra. Uh, I like his character design with Cobra. Oh, yeah. I haven't read the Cobra manga, though. I, I've, I got, like, a free volume of, like, one of the Cobra spin-offs that he did from Book Locker a while back. Well, I mean, the art's pretty good. Huh, okay. Yeah. Then we got Haruichi Furigate of Haikyuu fame at number 19. I don't know how I feel about this, because one of my big problems with the Haikyuu manga is that I feel the art gets a bit way too messy. Mm. Like, half the time you can't tell where the actual volleyball is in the games, and that's one of the big, reason, big reasons I can't get invested in the actual games themselves, is because they feel so messy. Hmm. And, and I, li- I like Furigate's, like, kind of character designs. I like how they look, but I I don't like how it moves, I guess, is the best way to think about it. Okay. Not to say that he's a bad artist, but uh, even though I don't like the series that the mangaka below him on this list writes, I do think that she's a better artist. Yeah. So let's talk about number 20, Katsuhiro Hojino. And I, I would say that she's a good artist in, like, the early parts of Degree Man, but, like, her recent stuff, I can't follow what's going on, and a lot well, of it's the art. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily the art for me. I think it's just the story is just so weird. Uh, the art-wise, I think the art still looks really good. For me, it's just that it's just being executed in such a bad way. Yeah. Like, the actual quality art, though, uh, considering all the stuff Hoshina has had to go through medically, it's amazing that she's able to put out this great quality of art. Yeah, I can respect that. Yeah, like, I, I don't like D. Grayman, but I respect Hoshino as a mangaka. I wish her panel compositions were easier to follow. Yeah. I, I mean, overall, though, I'd say it's better than uh, Furidate and Haikyuu. Okay, that's Even though I enough. like Haikyuu way more. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough. So overall, good list of mangaka, but uh, where's our Koei Orikoshi? Why isn't Koei Orikoshi on this list? Yeah, it's kind of strange. You see, I, I would put him in the top ten. Like, he's, yeah. even though, you know, he's done street works, but they all look really great. Especially My Hero. Like, My Hero is yeah, like the best artwork really in Jump right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Man, but Kohei Horikoshi's art, it's so great, you know? I really, really admire it. Man, I've talked so much about My Hero Academia lately, but I feel like I could talk about it even more. But if only I had people I could talk about it with. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I do have people who I can talk about it with. I actually already recorded something where I talked about My Hero Academia. About a lot of My Hero Academia related topics with. And it's ready. It's right here. I can go listen to it and relive the memories. But why just give it to myself? I, I must share it with you. I must share with you our glorious, our two-hour-long My Hero Academia Q&A special. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Oh, man, I can't wait to listen to it again. Let's move on to the next thing. Welcome back 
to our very special Q&A extravaganza. We got so many questions during our My Hero Academia manga fight that we couldn't possibly use them all for the show, so we're answering all of them here. With us today, back again, is Jeff Ruberg, mobile developer for Wiz Media. Hey, excited to talk about more of My Hero Academia. And we've also got Doctor, host of the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast and Justin Gintama Podcast. Hey, well, I'm glad to be back. Awesome. I'm glad to have you guys back to talk some more MHA. And we've got a lot of questions, about two dozen questions. And we've got them from all sorts of various places. The One Dream Adventure Reborn Forums, Animation Revelation, and Reddit. So, we're going to start off with the questions from the One Dream Adventure Reborn Forums. Starting off with a question from Wensleydale Cheddar, who asks, I'm not going to make you come up with an entire Pokemon team for everybody, but give every member of Class 1A in MHA a partner Pokemon. <laughs> now, there are like 20 students in Class 1A. Uh, <laughs> what do you say, guys? Do you want to do the challenge, or do you want to just choose one student? Uh... To give a Pokemon to. I mean, probably, like, can you get, like, maybe five? I think. <laughs> you want to do five each? What's the maximum of, of, of a team? Six? Uh, yeah, six. Right? Okay, let's go with six. I think that would make things Six easier. characters total or six characters each? I know, six characters total. I don't think I don't think we can do <laughs> every character have six Pokemon. That's a bit much. <laughs> All right, so divided between the four of us, I guess we'll just we'll throw whatever we can think about there. So let's see. Hmm. I think an obvious one would be, like, Purim when and when merged with Reshiram for, like, Todoroki. Maybe that's a little too powerful of a Pokemon to give him, but, like, fire-ice combo, <laughs> you know? that That's pretty appropriate. Is there another fire-ice type that's not Purim? Does giving Suyu Politoed, like, too obvious? <laughs> there's, there's a lot of frog Pokemon <laughs> yeah. you could give her. Uh, but, yeah, that's a good one. Actually, no, Greninja would be way more appropriate, because Greninja has that long tongue. <laughs> and it's really acrobatic. It would be fun to see her do like, Greninja's poses, like have her tongue wrapped around her yeah. body and stuff. Wrapped around like a scarf around her neck. That's great. I feel like the answers I'm thinking of are all like, you know, just based on their, like what mirrors the, the, the character, which isn't really how like Pokemon and trainers work. So... Hmm. You know, Endeavor sort of looks like Magmortar, so I'm going to give him Magmortar. <laughs> Magmortar, yeah. you know. Yeah. Oh, sn Snorlax and Fatgum, obvious. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's, that's not a bad one. I guess would it make sense to give um, Midoriya, like, one of the fighting types? Like, maybe maybe Hitmonlee? Or... I think Tyrogue would actually be appropriate for Midoriya. Okay, I can see that. All right. How about for Bakugo, is, uh, have it be a Voltorb that only knows explosion? <laughs> That'd be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfect. I can't believe I didn't think about that one. Is that six? Hmm. Maybe. I, I, I was just like throwing stuff there at that point. Throwing stuff at the wall. Okay, so let's think of one more maybe. Okay. Hmm. I, I want to give, give Mineta a Digimon. <laughs> okay. To break this question. Um, but the problem is most people had applied on this Digimon. Um, most oh my god, this Digimon is so weird. I'll link to it in our in our Slack so you can see. But um, it's a <laughs> oh my god. so got, wow. most people probably know Gatamon. Gatamon is the yeah. cat Digimon yeah. that uh, Kari has in season one and season two. 
um this is betsuman which is a um like looks like a, looks like a creepy old man cosplaying as a oh, cat what <laughs> cosplaying as Gatumon, and it is it is, that ball, it is super creepy and <laughs> oh yeah and that, that's what i imagine mineta um, yeah, that's his like spirit animal it's a yeah, we have one, one for his belly button and the one for... His ability is to cosplay as other Digimon. That's freaking great. Oh, this no. He has two bulges. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible and amazing. And he's based on a cosplayer. Huh. Wow. Yeah, I feel bad, I feel bad for the cosplayer who, like... Why? He, now he's immortalized in can, Digimon canon. I might have to watch Digimon Fusion just for this character. Does he appear a lot? No, it's like one episode, okay. one one off villain. Ah, well, I'll watch that episode. Yes, so let's move on to the next question from June Maywell, who asks, "Who do we think the traitor is?" Now we answered this question in the manga fight, but he also asked, "Who would be your best guess if the traitor was someone from Class B?" Which is a little interesting. Hmm. Class B. I think the problem is we don't really know too many of the characters in Class B, but uh, the like. American transfer student, like the her name is Pony or something. Maybe that could be a fun yes, twist. All, like all Americans are secretly villains. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I it would be kind of interesting. I, we haven't the one who's like listed on the, the Wikia page as being manga Fukidashi. I don't remember when they've appeared, but maybe their power is they can read the manga itself to find out what's going on and. That's how they're. That's how they're betraying everyone and leaking information. Is this how I get those my Boku no Hero Academia scandalations like a week early because of this guy? I think just the idea in general is interesting. It's not something that we were really thinking about, but it could very well be possible. I just think uh, we might need to learn a little more about Class One B because we only knew a couple of the characters from there. What characters are from Class B? I, I need I need a bit of a, of a refresher. Tetsu, 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 Tetsu. Okay, the class from um, from the sports festival. Okay, I remember now. What about the mind control guy? I don't think he was from that class. Shinzo? He's not in Class 1B. He was a general studies student. Okay. Yeah, I think he's the only general studies student really now. There's that girl with the mushroom haircut. Mm-hmm. There's the girl who had the wines on the ha- for hair, rather. Oh yeah, Kibara, Shiozaki. And Monoma's the guy who's like always like trying to prove that Class One B is better to Class One A, and like laughs at their failures, even though he's kind of like pathetic in himself or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember a few gags with him. He was pretty funny. I'm having trouble remembering what suggestions we came up with last time. Even I don't think we even had. I mean, it was no one from Class B. Specifically, I mean, I came up with a teacher. Uh, yeah, you came up with thirteen, and Jeff came up with Tokiomi Shadow. Yeah, this is a very out there theory, <laughs> but that that could st- <laughs> that could still work somehow. Yeah, I'm just thinking, like, in terms of if if it were someone from Class B, then it seems like it would be some kind of um, you know, like there'd be a bigger plot about the the ranking of the classes and the kind of like. Like the stuff that kind of came up in that sports social arc with the uh, the class B students trying to prove themselves and the general studies guy who wanted to show that class A wasn't so hot. And it's like, mm-hmm. I, I could see that if, if uh, Horikoshi Sensei wanted to go in direction of like, you know, kind of undermining the ranking system like something like Assassination Classroom does. But it's kind of, it doesn't, it doesn't seem the kind of thing the series does. It's like, yeah, they, they shouldn't undervalue the people in the lower classes and the, the people who didn't get into the, the top of the hero class, but they don't like... 
it's not really about that system itself being unjust. And I kind of struggle mm-hmm. just like I, I feel like that's where it would have to go if they made one of the other class uh people from the other class to be the traitor. It would probably be about them, you know, being frustrated with being behind and everything. And I don't know, it just feels like my hero academia is not so cynical or like like it, it has like an optimism about these institutions instead of a pessimism and cynicism about them. So Yeah, but thinking about it, I think Monoma probably could be the most likely candidate for being the traitor from Class 1B just because yeah. he hates Class A1A so much. It's true. Like, <laughs> I, just, I just hope I hope my hair academia isn't so cynical to because they did that do that. But yeah. with the, um, the general studies guy, like they, I was like, okay, he's clearly a traitor. But then like they they he he looks shady. He he acts a little bit shady, and they like made that a part of his like he gets you know typecast not typecast but stereotyped because of that, and that's mm-hmm. part of his character. Mm-hmm. And I, I like how it kind of expected that reaction and took it a level beyond that by dealing with that yeah uh, i think those are some good suggestions though that we threw out there best we can for class 1b trader but uh, i guess we'll move on to questions from animation revelation first up we've got a set of questions from dr insatsu ken starting off what with the popularity of superhero team-up movies and shows such as the avengers defenders justice league the cw dc worse and so on Pitch a four-person team of any four heroes, students or pros, with a unique name for their team and why they would work well together. That's a tough, that's a crazy one. Uh... <laughs> I actually, I wrote one down before because I was afraid this was going to be a debate question. And I was like, oh no, I need to defend this. <laughs> um, so my team was, and this is only probably that useful if you're looking at the list of characters on the uh, the Boku no Hero Academia wiki, wikia, but... um. So, so my four-person team was the, the principal, recovery girl, the invisible girl, and the speech bubble girl, the manga Fukidashi, and just, just the the assortment of the the weirdest random characters that everyone overlooks. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Now, now, what would their team name be? Uh, <laughs> I struggle with that. I think I, I think I was gonna go with the Invisibles, and then like Invisible Girl would be the the, the kind of the, the poster child. So, like, right. the center of every image of them as, like, you know, posing would just have this you know, pair of clothes in the middle. Hmm. Man, I don't know. I, I feel like my choices would be kind of boring. I would just I would just go with a lot of the main characters. I would just want to see Deku, Uraraka, uh, Ida, Bakugo, and uh, maybe Kirishima there because, you know, because uh, Bakugo can't get, go anywhere without his precious Kirishima, according to fandom. <laughs> <laughs> And maybe maybe have Aizawa lead the team. I think I think that would make for an interesting team up. Mm-hmm. I came up with one. Suyu Mineta. Sh- uh, I forget his actual name, but Sugar Man and Fat Gum. Uh, they could all be a team and call themselves Sticky Squad. Because they're, <laughs> that's, they're that, all, that's unfortunate. No, they all their abilities all involve like sticking to things in some way or. Form. Okay. Like Suyu, like Suyu has like you know a frog, like suction things on her fingertips or whatever. And then Mineta's abilities like those sticky balls. Sugar Man, you know that's that's sugar. Sugar is sticky when it's uh, <laughs> that, that one is self-explanatory. Long. And Fat Gum, I mean I can imagine he eats a lot of sticky things, but also like if you get caught in his fat, you're stuck to him. So there you go. <laughs> That's actually pretty good, actually. That's the, he centered it around a theme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but my, mine was basically the main character squad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about uh, you, Doctor? Do you have an idea? 
I, I you know, that's a funny thing. Like I was kind of looking through, and it's tough for me to like go offhand just the, the off the cuff on this one. I, I would like to see like maybe like a like an old female team of some sort just for differentiation of uh, most of the usual kind of uh, superhero teams you'll see. Okay. It happens every once in a while in comics, but you don't really see it that often. Um, okay, then then which I, I guess which female characters would you like to see team up? Uh, I think best girl. Uh, <laughs> actually, all all of our best girls. I would even go, I would go with like uh, Suyu, Momo. I'll even put in Jiro for that one because I think they would actually work together very well. And maybe maybe Uraraka actually being somewhat of a team leader would actually work with that. Uraraka better be in there. <laughs> I said a team of best girls. Yeah, I'll call them best girls. What you don't you don't want to call them girl power because they're girls, and no. and, and and girl is an automatopoeia because you know whatever. <laughs> no, I I just, I, we, they should just be called the best girls. You know, the best yeah. girls. That, that should be their actual. Name. <laughs> I think there's a, there's enough there that you can have like like hand to hand like like range combat between between the four of them. They could work well. Momo's level-headed enough. Furudaka is sort of like leader who got recruited as a leader by accidental votes, and <laughs> now she's struggling to figure out how to become the leader kind of thing. Okay, okay. Yeah. You know, the ED theme of the current season shows all the female characters in 1A, you know, together, and like they're all... And, like, there's images of them fighting villains all together. Like, I think they could work well together as a group. It'd be fun to like have an arc where they're all in a team together and they're and they're all fighting the whatever villain of the arc is. I like it with one tweak. I think I think it would be um it would be it would still be called Best Girls and mm-hmm. it would be um Uraka, uh Momo, Suyu, and Stain. Ah. And it would just it n- n- never never be explained. <laughs> just like Stain's just on the team. They they, they need to form the, the squad to do whatever mission, like he has some information, they get him out of whatever like cork jail and Okay. And it's just like in all the promotional images and stuff, it's best girls. And everyone's like, wait, why stain there? And it'd be great. <laughs> okay, that works. <laughs> I could always use more stain. I'll take whatever opportunity to get more of him. <laughs> okay, I think that answers that question. So moving on. Should Vigilante ever canonically cross over with MAJ in a major storyline for either series? Or is it better for it to remain strictly a complimentary spinoff with the occasional cameo? Dude, so do you guys know what... Um... My Hero Academia Vigilante is at all, or I'm only slightly aware of it. Yeah, I only know some of it, or I only know something, little bits about it. Yeah, the title is pretty self-explanatory. It's about a group of street characters who aren't like officially recognized heroes, but they perform vigilante work. So they're kind of like, uh, if the MHA superheroes are like regulated supermen, like they're the Batman. Yeah, unfortunately, like I don't, I don't really know much about it personally outside of its premise because it's. I don't think it's legally available. I'm sure it's probably been scanned somewhere, but I just haven't really bothered to like actually look it up. So I unfortunately don't really have much of an opinion on it. Personally, I think that some elements from Vigilante could cross over with MHA, but maybe like doing like a super interconnected. Thing wouldn't work out and they should remain their own separate entities for the most part just because after seeing all the backlash towards the light novel uh thing with black clover 
You know, <laughs> I, I think that kind of would frustrate people if MHA tried the same thing, even if it was a manga spinoff. Oh yeah, I know what you mean. Like just, just, just introduce these characters from like another thing and just be like, hey, remember all those adventures we went on together? Yeah, hey, you you remember that, readers? Yeah, you'd remember that if you read all the supplementary material. That you can yeah. <laughs> l- 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 link to it below. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I that, was, that was the thing that was in my recent memory. So I was like, I don't know if a crossover like that would ever work because that's like what I think of recently. Um, but I think I don't know. I, I, have, I have more confidence in Horikoshi Sensei too. To um, I mean, the series is already kind of like lean. So if you just look at the character page, like there, there are so many characters who have been introduced once or twice and like they, they just make a little cameo and then you don't see them very much for a while and i think it would totally fit in to to have i mean i, I also haven't read the the series but i imagine there are characters who can make an appearance who could like make an impression on deku like you know have a couple scenes with him and then disappear and then you know like if you want to follow their story more go read this that's a very very comic booky way of uh working around that yeah mm-hmm. and it's like there, there was a theme that I think hasn't really been addressed since the uh, stain arc. I think was when it was when I was thinking about it. When like they all get reprimanded or in trouble for for like acting as heroes when they weren't you know like officially licensed and stuff. And for for a while, I mean, I think there have been like hints at that kind of theme since then, but it hasn't really been the focus. And I kind of wondered back then, like if that was like if that where the series is that is that, is that where it's going? Is the, is that is it going in a place where it's like the institutions that enforce these strict regulations are the problem? And they're the actual things that need to be taken down. It's like, I don't think the series is really about that. So I think it makes sense to kind of keep that those themes, those like, you know, working outside the law themes in, in, in spinoff series. But it'll be, it'll be interesting if like the next time that comes around the main series to not focus on it there, but to be like, oh yeah, here, here are these characters that embody that. If you want to read more about that, go, go check out the other series. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. why stuff like like the Avengers and the Defenders are like they're like they're street level heroes as opposed to guys who fight like galactic clouds. Uh, <laughs> like you, you you need that separation every once in a while. They'll have maybe have the occasional crossover of sorts just to have the characters show up and kind of interact with each other. It would be fun, um, but I don't think it necessarily needs to. They need to combine both series. You can have a little both. If, if anything, I figured. Maybe if, if this were ever to, you know, happen, I feel like it would probably make the most sense to maybe have characters from Vigilante maybe make cameos in the same light as... Because uh, sometimes Horikoshi will have characters from his other series make cameos in My Hero Academia and sometimes even have an active role. Gangorka. Yeah, yeah, you know, characters specifically from Omagadoki Zoo, which was his uh, his first series in Shonen Jump. So, though, like, as, as somebody who has read all that series and is probably one of my, like, my favorite canceled series in Jump that really should have, like, went on longer, you know, I'm, 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 gl- I'm glad to see those characters there every once in a while. And, and, and like Sid said, Gang Orca, what is he, a killer whale? I, I forget what it was. Yeah. yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he was the guy who was leading uh, part of the uh, licensing exam at one point. You know, he was he was the villain of an arc in Omagadoki Zoo, so I appreciated him mm-hmm. not only having, like, a cameo, but kind of an act, somewhat of an active role for a cameo in the, in My Hero Academia. So, you know, that that kind of stuff is cool. So I, I could see, like I said, if, if they're going to do any kind of, like, vigilante cameos, I could maybe see... Something like that, maybe not something as active as that, but you know, maybe see them around like once or twice. Like, oh, hey, it's it's that character from that one thing. I I read that one thing. 
you know, that that's cool. It's a fun thing. Yeah, I think that's the way to do it. I think that'd be probably the best way to handle it. Just kind of like a little bit of an extended cameo, but not like an active like interference with the main plot. Like the light novel characters from Black Clover. Yeah, or, yeah. And that arc they came in. Yeah, I, I don't... Yeah, it'd be kind of weird for like the main character Vigilante to meet up with Midoriya and go, Oh yeah, I remember you. We bought that one person that one time. You know, that totally happened. <laughs> Yeah, not not to like pile on and like hate that 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 tie-in more, but I mean, it's like <laughs> that that, that uh, tie-in was very much like a kind of like a, like a telling instead of showing in terms of getting you interested in the light novel. It wasn't like introducing this cool concept that you, by its nature, by how cool it was, made you want to check it out. It was instead like, in order to be caught up for what's going on now, you need to read this other thing, and so it was like, it's like, yeah, it's like ha, yeah. now they have to buy the light novel, right. <laughs> But I think to move on to the next question, if All Might had never met Midoriya, which UA student would be most deserving of inheriting One for All and why? Uh, I think the obvious choice is Mirio because, you know, he was originally the first candidate, you know, that uh, All Might and Sir Knight I were considering. And based on what we've seen in the series, you know, he is an, of an upstanding character that you know, it has kind of the same beliefs in what a hero should be as Midoriya does. So, you know, I think, you know, he would be a very appropriate candidate. Well, I want to give another suggestion for how to change this question up. I think a more interesting question would be, if Midoriya wasn't chosen by All Might, who who would basically be the main character of My Hero Academia? Who would get to go on this hero's journey instead, in, in, I guess, instead of Midoriya? Oh, <sighs> Who's bland enough? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if Bakugo didn't have a quirk, I feel like he'd be kind of an interesting character to take this journey on, especially since, you know, he's to an extent an, an All Might supporter. Yeah, I mean, without his without his quirk, he's just a massive asshole. Like, so it's, it would be interesting <laughs> yeah. to see. Yeah, I mean, that kind of protagonist could definitely work. I mean, Tepu is about a character very much like Bakugo. I mean, she's kind of a willing protagonist in her own way, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Bakugo, definitely an atypical uh, protagonist for a shonen jump manga, for sure. Uh, outside of that, obvious two choices that come to my head are, like, Uraraka and Todoroki, but at the same time, their stories feel kind of like, you've seen, like, these, how they would be as protagonists, kind of. What about Ida? Well, Ida, um, I don't know, though. Ida, could he carry his own series based on his personality as it is now. I, I could I could see the emotional baggage of having his entire family be awesome heroes and him not having anything. Yeah. I think that's the like assuming he doesn't have a quirk. Um yeah. I think like he could he could yeah. possibly be one. But uh, I'm I'm sorry, Sid, what were you saying about Rodaka? Well I was just saying Uraraka is very similar in personality to Deku, so you know it wouldn't really change much. Aside from the fact but that hey, we'd, female. We'd, we would have a female protagonist in a shonen series, which... We can't un have that. Un un <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. We, we gotta follow the rules. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, you know, didn't you know how badly Part 6 bombed and jumped? Yeah, it's, it's, it's because a girl was the main character. I'm sorry, guys. I should know better. <laughs> oh. Huh. What about... Uh, guys, I think we're missing the obvious answer. What, what about Mineta? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. That'd be great. <laughs> that's, that's not, that would be a different kind of series. That would be a flat-out comedy. But yeah, let let him just punch something, explode his arm, and he'd be gone for the rest of the manga. Sure. Yeah. 
yeah, actually, that that would be terrible. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff, do you have any suggestions? Well, so so you're thinking of all these as like basically replacing Deku's role of like not having a quirk and then being chosen and getting a quirk. Is that how you're thinking about? Those yeah, answers? yeah, that's the closest way you can do it. Mm. Yeah, I think Ida is the is the closest fit to that. I mean, like there are a couple other characters I think would be interesting to be as main characters with their current you know situation, but I think though like. Going from nothing to getting a bunch of power to get getting powers and stuff, I think he's he's the best pick. Like, I mean, I think it would be cool to follow like mm. Kirishima as the main character with his current set of abilities. But I don't think he really he doesn't really fit. I don't think he'd be that great as a uh, you know start for nothing and you know, get his ability over the course of the series. So you suggested Todoroki, didn't you? Uh, yeah, but like I also said, like you kind of already know how Todoroki's story would kind of play out. I feel based on his personality. Yeah, and, and and I I could see it going where like, I feel I, I guess Todoroki's story probably wouldn't be too much different because like I guess it'd probably be even more tragic because you know his asshole dad tries to like groom him to be this really awesome hero to be All Might, but tragic twist he doesn't have a quirk, so you know he hates his son even more. So I think I, I think I guess with that with that change in Todoroki's story, I think his story would just become even more sad and tragic and. Probably sad enough to not be able to run and jump. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> well, there is, there is the fact that like uh, Turo, or Shoto, whatever, has like three siblings that we never that don't matter at all because they don't have a quirk. So like I, I think mm. they could they could fit into that where it's like maybe things are reversed. Like he's the the sibling doesn't have a quirk, and there is an older sibling that is the one that's groomed to be the successor to Endeavor, and he kind of has to live in the shadow of that and being one of the three siblings. that is not totally just a footnote. I feel that's how Sasuke started out, remembering his backstory. Mm. I think that's like Sasuke's start. Uh, Jeff is right. Clearly, they don't matter because I'll be honest. I did. I don't even remember Todoroki having any siblings. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about it recently because I think I think they just. I'm not caught up in the anime, but I think they they were just like mentioned or revealed in the anime. And I've seen some people on Twitter being like, oh, I can't wait until we get more backstory. And then I'm like, oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, actually, uh, that sibling question, we have a follow up uh, from someone down the line about that. But okay. yeah, that means so I think Todoroki could be interesting if he was in this position. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I think Horikashi would really have to take it in a different direction. Like yeah. having a a complex rivalry with his older brother, I feel, is just a little too similar to so many other shonen series. No, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Sid, that I feel like if, if Todoroki were, were the main character of My Hero Academia, I feel like it, I feel like the series probably wouldn't be as unique. Mm-hmm. Or it wouldn't be as interesting, I don't think, unfortunately. This question, the original question, kind of uh, poses a question to me, which I'm curious what you guys think about, is like, Cause we've heard in the context of the story that All Might and Night Eye were considering Mirio, but like they haven't explicitly, I don't think, you know, talked or explored the possibility. And I don't think it's just a possibility. I think it probably definitely happened before of what happens when one for all is passed on to someone who has a quirk, you know, like, it, like it, how it, how it interfaces with that. Like if it, do you get multiple abilities? And I mean, what, what I think is, go, was is eventually going to happen. I mean, I'm curious what you guys think about this theory is that, the uh and maybe it's not so much maybe it has been mentioned in the series i just totally forget but that like that a bunch of the successors because we know all might when before he got all for one didn't have a quirk but we don't know about mm-hmm. the successors before him and i presuming that 
we'll find out that they did have quirks and Midoriya can access those abilities through all for one. Or one yeah, quirk. I think the original uh, one for all didn't have a quirk originally, but then all for one gave him the one for all quirk. So right. Right. yeah, I yeah. think the I think uh, since all for one's brother was originally quirkless, maybe all his uh, successors were also quirkless, and they were bestowed, you know, a quirk, you know, and just that's just been passed on between quirkless uh, individuals all this time. It doesn't seem like All Might had that as a condition though, because if they were considering Mario, they they clearly weren't only considering quirkless people, so. Mm-hmm. That's true. And maybe what happens is that the one for all quirk replaces the host's existing quirk. Hmm. Yeah, it's also possible. Especially if it's like on the theme of like giving up your power for the greater good or something. That could totally fit in. But on the subject of giving up quirks and what quirks you'd prefer. Uh, the next question is, if you could pick any quirk from the series thus far to have as your own, which would you pick and why? My choice would probably be Yao Rose's power to make uh, a bunch of things from her body fat and whatever. Because, like, you know, first of all, I could easily lose weight by just making a bunch of things. And the second of all, it'd be pretty convenient to make just whatever I could imagine just on the fly like that, just using my own body material. So yeah, that's a, I think that's a pretty useful quirk. Hmm. What quirk would I want to have? Um, I'd probably say maybe the jet engine legs. He does. Mm-hmm. He does. It just mainly for traveling sake. Yeah, it would be pretty useful. Oh, but pants, pants would be so hard to get though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you can just wear shorts. Yeah. yeah, you'd, yeah have, wear... you'd have to wear shorts for the rest of your life. <laughs> like it'll be really, it'll be really tough during the winter time. But like, oh boy, yeah. Well, well, well I'm sure the <laughs> engines in your legs will keep 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 your legs warm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Jeff, what what about your answer? Because I I feel like I have an answer, but I feel like you're gonna pick it first. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Todoroki would be the coolest to like. It wouldn't be practical in daily life though. It's like okay, that's it's an overpowered ability, but like <laughs> I, I don't want to go fighting things. So I think it would definitely be Jiro. For the headphones. Yeah, that's and, what I thought. And and what, what I didn't realize recently, I, I saw a, uh, a screenshot of a panel recently. And I, I never noticed this, that I think she has the ability to just, like, control. Like, she doesn't need to, like, carry. Like, they move freely. Like, they, there are appendages that can, like, they show her um, opening a door with, with the headphone cable. And I'm like, wait. So it's basically, like, kind of like two extra arms. And they can plug into things, listen to stuff. All Like, I don't need to carry on headphones. Like, oh, my God, that would be perfect. Like, headphones that you can control completely with your mind, like, mm, that's, that's even better than Bluetooth. I was I was going to pick that, but I figured, nah, I'll let Jeff have that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. I don't know what I would want. I can't really think of what quirk would be very useful for me personally. Um, I... <laughs> I I want to say I want the invisibility quirk, but I don't want people to get the wrong idea. <laughs> oh no! Uh, I I just I just think it'd be funny to have it so I could like you know because so, sometimes I like to me and my friends have this constant thing where like my friends are a lot better at spooking me than I'm at spooking them, and every time I spook them, I'm, I'm like always too super fucking obvious about it, and they see me coming from a mile away. So I, I would I would want invisibility <laughs> for stealth. I promise, just stealth for the right just reasons. To spook your friends. Yes, just to spook <laughs> my friends and nothing else. 
I, I, I think the only thing we haven't really uh, wondered about is that can can she turn that off? I don't know. That That's really. There's... I don't know. We haven't seen her not invisible ever. Maybe so. you can't turn it off. Yeah, if you can't turn it off, that seems like much more of a curse than a blessing. No, yeah, th- then that would be terrible. <laughs> well, uh, assuming that you could turn it off, I I think invisibility would be useful. I wonder. I kind of wonder, like the person, the like the anime staff who had to like design her char- like do the character design. Like, oh, this is an easy one. <laughs> they're pro- yeah, yeah. They were probably like, man, we got a lot of work ahead of us. I, I don't know how we're going to animate this. <laughs> yeah, you know, invisibility is always a very useful power. Yeah, but if you can't turn on visible when you need to, hmm, it mm. might be kind of a double-edged sword right there. Yeah, I spooked. One time in college, I like we would do that, like trying to spook each other. And I had this friend, one of my roommates, who had like a, I guess, I guess chronic illness is the term. It's not like a, not like a deadly or anything, but like a illness that you know, like he was realizing he had at the time. And so I, I basically hid under his bed, and then and he was like, he's really susceptible to surprises and being scared. I oh, hid under no. his bed, and then like just reached out after he like sat in his bed and he like <laughs> it was like it was the it was a huge it, he was super freaked out and then was like totally fine but then like the next week went to the hospital and i was like oh no what did i do what did i do <laughs> it was to- totally unrelated but like i was like oh no i was expecting that story to take a really like hard turn <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what it felt like though <laughs> okay so i guess if we're all settled with that question the next question we've already used for the manga fight, so I think we'll go on to Insatsuken's final question, which is, in the spirit of superheroes and crossovers, being that Horikoshi clearly takes a lot of influence from American comic books, what Western superhero would it be most fun to see interact with the characters of the MHJ universe? Oh, jeez. Um... I think Spider-Man and Midoriya is pretty obvious, uh, you know, pairing. They're pretty similar characters. Their story arcs are kind of very similar. Only difference is that I would say that uh, Midoriya isn't nearly as cocky. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I want Peter Parker to teach uh, to teach Midoriya how to how to give good one-liners. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, he could teach he could teach Midoriya to kind of lighten up a little bit, crack a joke every once in a while. That that would be a good story arc. Like you need you need to be able to do this in order to be an inspirational hero. So we're gonna just yeah. send you to a joke training school in America. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh man, maybe that will be an arc in the series at some point. Like Midoriya has to train under Ms. Joke and learn the art and learn how to have a sense of humor. Yeah, to teach teach Midoriya how to not act so nerdy all the time. That'd be interesting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot you could do with this one. Yeah. Horikoshi Sensei has like talked about like really liking Spider Man before, right? Yeah, I feel like a... yeah. Spider Man's his favorite superhero. Ah, right, right. I'm sure he's mentioned that in, um, I think, in like the recent uh, Viz Shonen Jump interview that I think that was in like a month or two ago at this point. Oh man, I don't know. It's some maybe like the Flash. It'd be interesting because I don't think they've really encountered many speedsters. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. actually that's interesting. Out of all the quirks you could have, I'm surprised we haven't run into something like that yet. Yeah, it's weird how like. Ida is so, it's like, oh, he kind of has speed, but not really. Gran Torino is kind of close, but mm-hmm. even that is just like he's jumping around pretty fast. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole concept of speedsters, I mean, the only like, uh, you know, things I've really consumed are the Flash TV series, the first two seasons of it. But it's like, yeah. it's, it's such a, um, 
not overpowered, but like it's such a like almost limitless power. And I feel yeah. like yeah. in order to like keep that in check in things like Flash, they have to um, you know, dumb them down and like they they can't think of everything. They're not they're not actually that smart. Or the writing doesn't really think about all those different possibilities. And I feel like yeah, I feel like the reason you know in designing characters like Ida and giving them a speed ability, but not an actual like you know can actually just move faster in every way. It was it was to limit it so that he wouldn't be completely overpowered. Because if there were someone like Ida in the class who just had super speed, it'd be like, well, you can solve everything if you're creative. Yeah. And I feel like he's he's pretty good about like being creative. But maybe it's someone who's like a I don't know. There's a restriction and there's a reason they can't. Because he's pretty also pretty good about like when introducing a really powerful ability, giving some restriction yeah. to prevent that from being you know as overpowered. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much it will actually get out get out of this one, but. Is pretty superficial one, but maybe Kirishima and Tetsu 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 can uh, can team up with Luke Cage or something because you know all their all their skins are hard. There you go. Yeah, a black person <laughs> in Japan—that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I had another one too. It would it would be interesting because I like the. I guess it's not really so much a recent development anymore because it happened a little while ago. But I, I kind of like, with the development in mind of Midoriya thinking, oh, maybe I, maybe I should try kicking things instead of punching things. I, it'd be interesting for him to, like, maybe learn a martial art. So maybe, like, hmm. maybe maybe a team up with, like, Danny Rand and, uh, and Midoriya would be kind of interesting. He can't use his fists. <laughs> yeah. Well, he could still, he could still, like, he could still teach him some kind of martial arts. Iron foot. <laughs> it, it doesn't sound as cool, but we'll, we'll take it. Yeah, yeah. How about Howard the Duck? Just for no reason. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> just like, yeah, just just have Howard the Duck be like a teacher at at, at a UA. That'd be interesting. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, the principal's already a mouse, and there's already a a, a dog police chief. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to know the rest of that guy's story. How yeah. did he get here, looking like a dog? <laughs> that that guy needs that guy needs his own series, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be cool if they like uh, did a, like, a really heavy promotional campaign for like months or something. Like, we're gonna we're gonna be a time with a DC a, a huge DC character. Like get get excited! It's gonna be it's gonna be a huge reveal, and then it's like Aquaman or something. And <laughs> <laughs> oh dang! Uh, I don't think they're ever in the ocean. Yeah, but that would be a good change of uh, place then, you know, to have an arc by the ocean or a story like in the, uh, by the sea or something. And Gangorka can uh, be involved then too. <laughs> it would be pretty neat. One final idea I have is like, I really think it'd be cool if there was a character like the question in MHA. So I'm like just oh, thinking yeah. about, mm. a, uh, about a crossover where like, the question teams up with Sir Nighteye to like investigate the Yakuza groups and like you know uncover like the mystery of what they're doing and stuff. That could be like a neat kind of different kind of character and story to cross over with the MHA verse. I don't know if you'd really get a lot out of this one, but not not. I just this this is more like a like a fan art idea of anything. But I I kind of want to see um I kind of want to see Momo just like. Uh, just providing her all her props, I think that'd be int- that'd be that'd be a funny like little fan art idea. Yeah, that'd be that'd be cute. I think again, I I I know you probably wouldn't get like too much out of that other than that one fan art idea, but I just thought hey, that'd be kind of cute. <laughs> if if if, yeah. I, if I saw that on my Twitter timeline, I'd be like, okay, this this gets a like. <laughs> I, I would actually um to go around that and actually throw out like a villain to be showing up in here, like someone like the Riddler. 
I would like to see. Yeah. I'd like to see in this universe. Not not a calendar man? No. I feel like, <laughs> but like, oh, boy, like a, a more of a modern Riddler, like he, who is a lot more, uh, the more intellectual type uh, kind of guy. Yeah. Who, yeah. That would actually be a little more interesting. Uh, that would be kind of cool. A, he's a regular dude. So imagine that. I think that's like, if there is anything that I would like to see more of in something like My Hero Academia is having regular ass dudes be huge villains. Because they don't, they only ever deal with like like super villains, like anyone with powers and stuff. They never actually dealt with just a regular guy, might be deranged or whatever. But yeah, I would imagine someone like that to be in this world, just as like, a, oh wow, who would have thought? Yeah, that that would be interesting. Yeah, I know you said Calendar Man in Jess Colton, but <laughs> if it was like the Calendar Man from Long Halloween and like Dark Victory, where he's kind of like a Hannibal Lecter esque character. Then you know maybe that would be kind of wait that exists kind of interesting. Oh yeah, that there's there's very dark versions of Calendar Man. I'll have to look those You'd up later. You'd be surprised, Colton. <laughs> He's not condiment condiment king or something like that, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that does it with Insatsu Ken's questions. So we'll move on to questions from Sparkus Spirit. First one is quirk free for all between all year one students who wins. I feel like just on sheer tenacity alone, somehow Bakugo would win. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I was about to say. I think a hilarious answer would be, like, if Mimeta just stuck everyone to the ground with his balls <laughs> and then just walked away, so he kind of basically wins. Mimeta would be the kind of person who just, like, like hide in the corner and wait for everybody to beat up on each other, and then just be like, oh, oh, oh look at that, I, I win! Well, if that's the case, then Invisible Girl would probably be the the real winner. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because everyone would forget about her because she's invisible. Yeah, I, f I feel like Todoroki, though, could just, like, freeze every, like the entire arena. And so, like, yeah. she wouldn't really... Actually, wait, that would... If if he freezes her, wouldn't we get to see her body? That would be... That'd be kind of weird. Huh. At the very least, the outline of her body. Yeah, I'm not sure what happens when you uh, when ice freezes. Maybe it's still... Stead, or, or not when invisible things freeze it probably would still be invisible you would at least have like a mold or something within the ice but uh yeah there are a lot of characters here that could easily win this i think actually now that i think about that because yeah you could easily like jeff said you could just easily have todoroki just freeze everybody and you win it's hard it's hard to really fight like just a very overpowered ability so like even if you were to be a creative i feel like midoriya probably wouldn't win no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, he'd wear himself out too easily. Yeah, he he put up a good fight, but you know, eventually, like he still kind of has his limits. Yeah, but on the other hand, in terms of like Todoroki being overpowered or people having overpowered abilities, I mean, I think there's enough flexibility that it's like, yeah, he has one of the strongest abilities in terms of like raw area of effect and everything. But like, if it, I feel like if there were a scenario like this in in the actual storyline. I don't think there's a clear answer. I mean, like, if you throw them in an arena and, like, go start, I'm sure, like, you know, half of them could come up with, like, in that moment, a counter to, to being frozen. I mean, like, mm. Bakugo could, you know, like, fire, you know, like, explode enough that it, you know, repels the ice. I mean, they could... I think there are all sorts of different things that... I, I could see if they're actually in the storyline, there being so many different possibilities. Except for right. except for Midoriya, because he probably wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I, I, can, I can't think of anyone else who would, like, really easily win. Maybe Momo could, like, make a giant tent and, and protect herself? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. I mean, she's able to make a cannon. She could probably make a pretty protective, like, safe bunker thing. Probably. 
but even then, I feel like she probably she has, she has a limit on her powers, right? Yeah, I mean, she makes it out of her like body fat, so she can only like do so much because she can only burn so many calories. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, I can't think any more like easy answers. Yeah, Kaminari <laughs> is. I would I would think he's just like a one shot and he's done. He's yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, a problem. Like if he takes out everyone at once, maybe, but. I don't know if he can really... And G- Jiro could jab everybody in the eye if she wanted to fight dirty, I guess? <laughs> I mean, she she can project sound waves, so there, there's yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, she could uh, probably deafen everyone. Oh, that'd be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Tokoyami? He, he, he can... His... I mean, assuming there is, like, in a dark area... Yeah, let's make sure that room isn't dark. Yeah. Because otherwise he probably wins. <laughs> yeah, in terms of, like, you know, if it were in some kind of, like take down everyone because i feel like in a lot of the situations we've seen it's like them on a team or they have to be considerate of and like that's a lot of kaminari's restrictions is that, oh, if he attacks it'll destroy everyone else and but like i think toyami if they were just like no you don't need to be concerned with anyone else he could just you know like aim to take the, out whatever lights are in the area and then mm-hmm. overpower everyone maybe maybe mm-hmm. do we have any more ideas or i don't I don't have anything, unfortunately. I, that 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 is a tough one, and there's even a few that are just like I don't know. Aoyama, he has a, he has a getter beam, like that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well I guess we'll move on to the next question. Would a crossover between One Punch Man and My Hero Academia work well? And I think definitely, uh, I'd love to see a crossover between those two series. And well, you know, one idea that I keep thinking about that, like I really kind of want to see, is a crossover where Stain and Garo meet. Because they're both mm. hero killers. Mm. They both, like, hate heroes. But the thing with Garo is, is that, like, his character arc is, like, deep down. He still ha- he has humanity in him. And that, you know, makes him feel kind of disgusted with himself. But he also can't... He has his own sense of honor code that, you know, he ha- he feels compelled to abide by. Like, when he protected uh, Metal Bat and his sister from monsters that were going to attack them. Yeah. And so, you know, Garo, and, like, the difference with Stain is that Stain is, like, completely far gone. Like, he thinks, like, what he's doing is the right thing. He thinks he's, he's like, the, like, ultimate crusader, and, like, all his murders are for right. So, like, there's this dichotomy of intentions there. Like, Stain thinks that he's he's killing heroes for the greater good, and then... Uh, Garo is doing is like fighting and defeating heroes because he wants to be the ultimate monster and the greatest evil. But in contrast, Garo is a better person than Stain. So you know, there's just so much you could do with those characters clashing off against each other. And I I really want to, you know, I know it's probably not going to happen, but it's like, <laughs> man, it, it, it's that that story would be something that I'd really like to see, you know be written and be like drawn as a crossover. I, I agree. I I think I think that story would be really interesting and I think I think it would present an opportunity to get a lot out of both characters, but you know, mm-hmm. um at the end of the day I think what we all want to see is a fight against Midoriya and Saitama who would win, guys. <laughs> yes, of course He's he Saitama. would Saitama. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But but no but no guys I I I did all the math I have my calculator here and, and I did all the math and if if you remove the two Midoriya has like a point two percent chance I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna send it in I'm gonna send this uh, idea into Screw Attack and uh, I'm gonna have him confirm. <laughs> yeah. <There you> go. <laughs> uh, 
that honestly, that's that's probably that's probably the most. Uh, joking aside, um, Sid's idea is probably the most probably the most interesting idea. I I I think I think it'd be interesting overall to see a crossover between the two series and like maybe you could somehow fit the the hero association in there or some or something and because because I I think it it would be interesting to see these like some some heroes from like uh, from the One Punch Man universe just come in contact with these with these people that like actually have superpowers that are like born with them and be like oh shit real heroes do exist. I would like to see the Midoriya Moomin Rider interaction. <laughs> oh yeah, those would be great characters to work off with one another. Midoriya would idolize him so much. So, somehow, <laughs> I feel like Moomin Rider is a real hero we deserve. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> M- M- Moomin Rider is also um, an, an All Might fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Jeff, do you have any? Particular ideas or opinions? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't have any ideas on like on, on serious, uh, like story-based crossovers. But I think there's like tons of potential there for for gag stuff. I mean, just like mm-hmm. I, I mean, any interactions between Midoriya and Saitama would has has tons of potential for for gags and pretty humorous stuff. In terms of like, would it ever work? In terms of, well, I don't know. I, I guess the way this this typically works in manga like this is that they're like one-off chapters that aren't don't really tie into the actual storyline, so mm. that's my understanding. At least, mm-hmm. and you guys probably have more experience with that, though. Yeah, crossovers are usually like they're just fun. They don't really like they don't have any real bearing on anything other than oh, what would it be like to see these characters interact? <laughs> yeah, and I think I think I think that could be like you could have a bunch of different pairings. I mean, Midoriya and Saitama would be cool to like you know see them. I don't know, just like see Midoriya. Have Midoriya see Saitama and idolize him, or like I think it'd be cool to have Bakugo's like taken off his high horse by trying to go against Saitama and just being like, "Wow, this was, he didn't even do anything. And <laughs> I already lost." <laughs> actually, that would be. Uh, I, I was joking earlier, but it actually would be kind of interesting to have Midoriya interact with Saitama because Midoriya, because My Hero Academia overall is a more optimistic superhero story, whereas One Punch Man. I think for the most part is kind of cynical in the sense of where, you know, Saitama at one point had a real drive to be a superhero. And now that he finally has all the power he ever wanted, you know, he kind of feels empty and whatnot. And that's, you know, that's kind of his character arc. So I feel like it would be interesting to have someone a little, to to basically have Midoriya, someone who's a little more, a little more positive and outgoing uh, team up with Saitama, who's basically kind of been through it all. And, uh, and kind of knows what it's like to be an actual superhero. And just have him be like, hey, kid, it's it's, it's not that great. Trust me. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see if Midoriya's enthusiasm could overcome Saitama's jadedism. Or jaded, you Cynicism? know, uh, personality. Cynicism. Well, he's jaded, but yeah, so he's, I don't know if Saitama himself is... I mean, he's somewhat cynical, but Saitama's also still, you know, a good person. And he, like, he, yeah. He will like go out of his way, you know, to help people. He's mostly just bored. Not really. He's not like. <laughs> yeah, he's he's mostly just bored. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would he be. He just a... wants a ch- he wants a challenge. That's like his real thing. Yeah. There would be so many generational undertones to that too. Having like a this like young high school kid like yay, and this that you know like twenty something year old who's just like life sucks, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that that would probably be the most um, interesting interaction. The more I think about it. 
man, why doesn't this exist? I feel like this, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like this, this, this could be something that like, this is something that Shueisha should really get on somehow. Yeah, it seems yeah, like... Yeah, hopefully with time, they'll make it. Hopefully. Maybe uh, maybe when the next season of the One Punch Man anime comes out. Nah, that'd be great, but... Maybe. They're both made by Bones, are they? No, no, no yeah. One Punch Man was Madhouse, yeah. so I don't know. But yeah. maybe they could make something work, because Bones did Mob Psycho, so who knows? I was going to say, I think... I don't want to speak like I, I, I know something, but... If I understand correctly, I know there were a lot... I think they outsourced a lot of um, animation on uh, for One Punch Man in particular to a, to a lot of different people. And, not, and I don't think they just stuck to Madhouse people. I think they got a whole bunch of people to come in and animate for that show. So maybe they got some Bones people at some point. I don't know. Yeah, but that's a little different. Like, uh, the studio rights conflict is a little different than, like, uh, the specific people that, are you know, worked on the show. That's fair. Uh, again, I, I don't. I'm. I'm not saying. I. I know. I know for sure. But it's just from. No, yeah. uh, it is true. There were a lot of Bones animators worked on One Punch Man, because uh, the director called in just basically like all the most talented animators in the industry, pretty much, to work on the show. So yeah. you know, you're right. It's just that you know to make a, just that the fact that the same people worked on the show is, it doesn't overcome like. The limitations of like who has the rights to make what show and stuff. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, if it were crossover, that would probably be in manga form. I'm betting. Anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like, you know, I'm I, I'm pretty sure they've had like a like chapter of One Punch Man in like Shonen Jump before as like a preview, like in the Japanese Shonen Jump. I think at one point that happened. So I don't know. Like, you, you could you could have that run in Shonen Jump. I think you could easily do that. Yeah, and at the same time, you never know. They could make a crossover work even if it even if the anime anime have different studios like uh the sket dancing and tama pulled off the crossover and they had different studios yeah. so yeah yeah okay so i guess we'll move on to the next question what a time skip work in a series like this and i think that yeah i think a time skip will probably happen honestly yeah. you know that's just kind of thing to expect with shonen series at this point and i think that you know just in general, since Horikoshi is a really skilled writer, that it will work. So I'm not too concerned about that. I'm curious, though, like, I mean, it's a pretty pretty common staple in shonen anime to have, or shonen manga to have time skips. Is it that common for shonen manga set in school? Yeah, I mean, like, I guess if you think about series like Bleach, where the characters are high school students, you know, you don't get, oh, like, yeah. a time skip. I mean, you did, Bleach had a time skip, but, like, it was a short time and skip. And it was also, like, it, their, their school life didn't really matter that much for the show. Yeah, it didn't. <laughs> for the series. Yeah. But when My Hero Academia, I'd be thinking that the time skip would happen, like, after like uh, maybe sometime after they've graduated school and, like, a little bit after they've started their professional career. Maybe a year gap between when they left school and uh, started, mm. you know, their mm. career. Do, do we have a sense? So, do we know what time of year it is in the current manga storyline? Well, they're still in their first yeah, year. Yeah, it's on the first year. But... Uh, I think they're in, they're in their second semester, so it'd be like in the fall. Yeah, because I guess the, the, this, the training camp where Bakugo got kidnapped was summer camp, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, it was during yeah. summer, at least. Not, not actual summer camp, but... Yeah. So yeah, I guess they're still still pretty early in the year. Like if it if the year you know, like the school year starts in April, which is when the show started or series started, that like and I guess there was technically a time skip actually because we start a year before 
There already was one. Oh, that's true. There already was one. Yeah, that's our answer right there. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I guess if... No, go on, Doctor. No, I was going to say, like, most of the time, they've, they've, they've been kind of... They do, like, a lot of stealth little time skips. It's like, and some months happened, and then they go to the next thing. Yeah. So it, it's sort of... It's always kind of there, but, like, having a... If you were to complete a year and, like, have all of the essential lessons that you need for a to be a superhero be in within that year and then the rest of the years are just like reinforcement of that those ideals then i could see something like oh then we skip to like either graduation or um some t- or like or just the last year of school something like that enough to enough of a jump that you can final exams make sense and you know everyone getting into their appropriate superhero uh like or agent um, agencies or whatever, um, so it, it's somewhere there. I, I I would like to see something like that. I I think I've always talked about having something like, like having that sort of jump into like okay now Deku is a full fledged superhero. Let's see what he does. But uh, we're not there yet, so eh, yeah, it 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 benefit the series to having having one somewhere. Yeah, it's gonna happen eventually, but. It it would help. Yeah, and I, th- I think like there's pretend like I think like the reservation to like time skip them out of high school. You know, like w- would they still connect with the readers to to a younger audience? But I think because they're all super powered, and you know, like I think you know like that there's not really much of a concern with that. Like if they're working in hero agencies, it can be more about the super powered fights than about the like you know daily life of working at a job. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if this is actually going to happen. How the series is actually going to end? But I think a, a neat way for it to end would be for it to be Deku finding his successor, you know, if it's actually like training them, probably not, but more like, you know, in the last couple of pages, there's an obvious candidate and it's like, okay, you, you can kind of pick up where it goes from there. So I think for that to happen, there has to be some kind of time skip, but I mean, you know, that, that could be like in the last chapter epilogue kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're all in agreement that a time skip probably would be good for the series. So I guess moving on, uh, the next question is, if Todoroki and Bakugo had fought for real in the sports festival, who would have won? I think Todoroki would have won, because it, I think he was more skilled than Bakugo, and, and you know, would have fought more efficiently, but he just had no motivation in the fight at that point. So, you know, that's why, you know, he kind of let Bakugo win, because he just didn't care at that point. But if Todoroki was actually motivated, I think he could have beaten Bakugo. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, are we all in agreement on that, or do you have anything more to say? Uh, I got really much else to say. I think that, that like having I think Todoroki needing that sort of revelation of himself and using both abilities. I think that was it, if just being able to do that would be enough to be like, yeah, this guy's gonna win easily. Yeah, yeah. I think there's also like like at, at the time maybe maybe not because he's still. I, I think there's more potential for him to like over time learn how to use the two abilities to their you know, strategically and everything, and if he, and if he at that point was like, I'm never going to use this fire ability com- combatively, then, like, mm. yeah, he, he's much more limited, but, like, if it's, like, now in the series, many more options, and, like, he should, I think he should probably beat Bakugo one-on-one. Okay, so I guess the final question from Spark of Spirit is, which color page is the greatest? And this is hard, because there's a lot of really great ones. Oh, I would have to look at them. Uh, I mean, like, the, I, some of the most iconic to me are, like, uh, a color page from like chapter 27 or something where it's like all the students you know kind of in a group shot and they're like uh running forward or something and like there's this horse in the background which was weird but <laughs> yeah the horse i was like what the, the horse is kind of weird but i think it's there because 
because I'm pretty sure the series was in the uh, the sports festival. Yeah, it was during the Calvary battle. So, so, so the imagery I think makes sense when you when you think about it from that angle. But other, uh, but otherwise, yeah. without that context, it's like, what's that horse doing here? <laughs> yeah, what does that symbolize? Another great one is, of course, the heroes versus villains uh, one. You know, where it has the villains on one side and the heroes on the other side, and there's like this big horses in the middle. That's a great one. That's a good one. I yeah. really love uh, a color page from like chapter 93. It was towards the end of the All Might versus All for One battle, where it's like uh, Jeku and All Might like just sitting on a bench in a park. There's just something like really poignant about that image that I just really liked. Yeah. Though I think those are my the three ones that really stick out to me. I, I in general just really like Horikoshi's colored works in general, and uh, as as much as I like his his um, his color pages, like his his two page color spreads or whatever, um, there are some really good ones, but I can't think of any like off the top of my head that like really stood out to me that I think, oh yeah, like this is this is like amazing. I love this. I think just one of my general favorite colored works of his is um is the art from. Uh, I forget which issue of Jump it is, but uh, the art that he did for for the cover of Jump uh, from the issue of Jump, where I think they announced the first season of the My Hero Academia anime, where it's just uh, Midoriya doing like the superhero pose with the fist on the ground and him making a crater in the ground and whatnot. I I really like that promotional image. It's probably my favorite out of at least all of the manga promotional stuff. Um, I just think it looks cool. I, I, I like I made that one my Twitter banner for a while. <laughs> oh, and I'd be remiss to mention uh, one more, like it'd be, and it, the image of like Bakugo, who's uh, like during the sports festival. It's like cha- for chapter forty-five, and he's like standing over like this mound of dirt or whatever in the middle of the sports festival field, you know. And he's just like roaring, and he's like, Rah! you know, it's like that image was like really great. And what's memorable about that image to me is just that that chapter came out back when I was uh, doing like weekly Shonen Jump reviews. So like after I reviewed like that chapter, like I remember getting a comment from our very own Spark of Spirit here, who is like, man, that like color page is crazy. Awesome. And then after that, he was like, okay, I'm going to, ch- I got to check out my hero academia. It looks pretty awesome. <laughs> and so he did, de- he did. And then it became, it's become like his favorite series ever. So it's like, you know, that, that's memorable to me because like, I remember it was around that time that Spark decided like he was going to read MHA and now he loves MHA a lot. So I'd be, I'd be remiss not to mention uh, that color page. Do you, do you guys have any that uh, come to mind at all? I, I'm I, I've been like googling a bunch of spreads to see which one. Is it. Um, I like them in street clothes. It's so different. Yeah, that one's pretty good. It, it's not not as like it's not flashy or anything, but it's just funny to see them. Like, oh yeah, that's right. Like they're kids; they should actually have real clothes. Yeah, it, like I I, yeah. I like I like that concept in in shonen manga sometimes because um, Dragon Ball kind of does that every once in a while too, where it's like you know. You see them wearing like just normal people clothes, and it's like, oh wait, oh wait, they they like sometimes they have normal lives. What about you, Jeff? Uh, I really like the the spread for the is it the first? I'm not sure if it's the first. I think it was the first character pull, no, the second character pull, because it's the one where Bakugo is first place, and like I, you can just explain it to sound like I was like watching the anime with my girlfriend, and we're you know like not even like she's just starting to appreciate Bakugo, and I'm like, oh yeah, I can explain how he won the 
the character pull and how so the pain the spread is just him screaming about being first place and it's a great great little story there actually the one with um i think this one's an early one i don't remember which chapter this is from but one i think one of horikoshi's like really early color spreads is the one where bakugo makes an explosion and everybody's like jumping from it or whatever um i'm sure some of you probably have seen that around a lot i really i really like that one too that's a really good early one of his and i like i like looking at it like i never noticed looking at it like right now i never noticed like it should have clicked with me that bakugo is the one that causes the explosion that i i I'm, I'm like looking at him right now he, there there he is there, he's right behind all the explosions and stuff oh huh I ne- yeah i never connected that i never saw him in the background it's like huh that that really it's like it's like well, duh <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, Horikoshi's colored works are always great in general, though. Yeah, I really love all of them. Um, I guess that does it for questions from Sparky Spirit, so we'll move on from our final animation revelation question from Gunsword Fist, who asks, where does Deku rank among your favorite superheroes? Hmm. Favorite superheroes? Mm. That, that's, a, that's a lot, unfortunately. I don't I mean, I mean, no, I want to rank him high. I would rank him... I don't even know if, if we were to do, do like a top ten list... He'd probably be in the honorable mention section, maybe? <laughs> I think that's where I'd put him, too, you know, if I were to compare superheroes. Yeah, as a superhero, I don't know if... I don't know if he'd be on my list if if it came to... I don't even know if I have a list of favorite superheroes, honestly. How about you, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, like, consume that much superhero fiction and stuff, so, like, I don't have much of a listing, but I think he... he um, Deku, in the, I'm going to tie this back to Digimon. Um, De- De- Deku is uh, very similar to the main character of Digimon Season 3, Digimon Tamers, um, Takato, who is, like, you know, this nerd who, like, likes... I mean, in the season, in the world of Digimon Tamers, it's like, Digimon is a fictional property, and he's so obsessed with it, he, he like, you know, draws a Digimon, that Digimon becomes real, and then he, like, gets to live out his Digimon adventure. Um, but, like... They're and they're they're reserved. Take lots of notes. There are a lot of similarities, and like I think that makes when like thinking about Digimon characters, I'm always like, okay, Takato is interesting on paper, and there are a lot of like interesting things to think about about him, but like never really ranks high in my favorite characters, which I think like that's pretty similar with with uh, Deku and other other like manga characters. It's like yeah, he's um a lot of interesting stuff going on. I'm curious to see his journey, and I'm, I'm sure. There's lots of potential by the time the story's over for there to be developments that uh, make him highly ranked superhero or favorite character or anything. But like for now, it's like, eh, it's, he's interesting, but not really favorite. Mm-hmm. But even if he's not one of our favorite superheroes, I think we can all agree that he is relatable. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's 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 one of the reasons why I, I like I really gravitated towards My Hero Academia is that. You know, I felt like I really related to Midoriya compared to, again, other shonen protagonists. I don't know, to me, he felt like a person. Like, he, he felt like a person I would probably actually run into and meet in my everyday life. Mm-hmm. But I think that does it for questions from Animation Revelation, so we'll move on to our Reddit questions. First up, we got some questions from Ken Imperialis. We already used his what makes a good hero, what makes a good villain questions for our manga fight. So moving past those, he asks, was Mirio Togata a better successor candidate than Deku? And my answer to this is, I don't know about that. Because we, we, I mean, I think that Mirio, in terms of his character, is very much like Deku and is very, like, admirable. So he... It would have been a wordy candidate, but a better candidate than Deku. I think that, you know, as we see 
more of the two of them working together, I think the series will affirm that Deku was the best choice all along for some reason. But we just haven't seen enough of uh, Mirio in action to really be able to determine like what he does better than Deku and what Deku does better than him. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally think they're they're both good. Yeah, they're they're both good, and like, I mean, the thing that kind of that I keep thinking about is like we still don't know the mechanics of how one for all would have worked if it had been passed down to someone with a quirk, and without that, it's hard to to tell. Because if if it would have been like, you know, he got both powers, and it's kind of hard to be like. Like that, that that would have made him like really extreme, extremely powerful, right? Like I would have. It's it's hard to argue that Deku would be a better candidate than just in terms of power. You have to kind of ignore power and be like, okay, well, based on character wise, like whatever. I was gonna say uh, maybe this has been explained, and I and I probably just forgot or missed it. But for all we know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know maybe maybe quirks work the same way that like devil fruits and one piece do where like you can't really have more than one at a time maybe that'd be fun they people explode that'd be great <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> um I, f- I feel like i still have to spend more time with nerio like i think it's th- there's that little thing in the back of my neck that i feel like i don't know i still don't, i don't trust this guy for some dumb reason I, but he's too good to be true is, <sighs> see is, see i i can I, see I, that I had... I had that feeling to the nth degree when we first met All Might. Like I was, like especially because he he's, he has a secret, whatever. So he's acting kind of shady, and so like I was like, okay, the point of the series is that he's going to meet his hero and then be disappointed, and then be like, wow, my hero really wasn't that good after all. And like that that's really not what the thing is. I think I went into it with like the weird a weird expectation of that. So that's why I kind of don't want that to be the the case with Mirio because I feel like the series is kind of um it's not the angle it goes for, and it's it's a bit too cynical. But like, yeah. well, yeah. Well, well, you know, to to your point, Jeff, we we don't we don't know, you know, All Might has really proven himself, but you know, we, we can, but but like we can, he, I'm I'm sure that one day he'll have a hail Hydra moment. We'll see, it can happen. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he will be secret Nazi, and um, and but guys, don't worry, just wait, wait until the end of the story. It might, <laughs> the man actually pay off. <laughs> Comics are fun. Yeah. I think moving on, the next question is who is the better mentor, All for One or All Might to their successor? Uh, I think clearly All Might is a more responsible and, uh, you know, nurturing mentor than uh, All for One. Yeah. Not arguing there. Um, I'm sure sure All for One means well. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) He believes Shigaraki can become the next big villain i'm sure but uh, uh he just he certainly doesn't uh care necessarily about yeah, him he's using negative reinforcement to make his it's just just like endeavor yeah yeah <laughs> and there's some there's some stuff there about how uh like i, I mean it's mostly to obscure his identity but one for all. every time i say those things i have to think about it one for yeah. all wait no well, all for all for one all for one yeah. all, for, all for one it's uh, okay i get i can i get confused too <laughs> it, it's really confusing but um he like you know doesn't interact with shigaraki directly using a computer monitor for for much of the series and stuff so like like and, and whereas all might is like you know in deku's face literally and so they're just so much more uh personable and i don't know there's something they're kind of a little jab but like online communication not really being as <laughs> uh personal yeah. but whatever <laughs> 
maybe mm-hmm. this podcast is uh we're more like wall for one because we're not in person mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so we're villains huh yeah i guess so oh maybe. that sucks Let, let's, oh, go. Boy. let's go get rid of the heroes but should we side with the yakuza or with the league of villains does this mean that everybody who has a podcast is a villain then <laughs> I guess so. I guess there's a lot of villains out there in the. I I, I guess me and Doc would probably be the biggest defenders then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that that'd be an interesting story. That like somehow podcasts are destroying the world and number of people. Yeah, you know, pe- pe- people. Pe- that would be pe- a fun pe- people story. Sp- people spend too much time in front of a screen. Nothing's personable anymore. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But I guess social commentary aside. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So instead of talking about villains, let's talk about uh, heroism. And the next question is, who had the better ideas for creating a symbol of peace, All Might or Sir Night Eye? Specifically regarding like who they thought would be the better successor. So it's kind of similar to a qu- the question like we kind of answered before, but it's like, I mean, Sir Night Eye has a more like objective, rationalist approach, but I think All Might saw something in Deku that you know goes beyond that like he saw the potential and he saw the heart of a true hero in him that could become like the next great hero and symbol of peace mm-hmm. so i think all might have the right idea there yeah i think comparing them all might definitely have the, the better idea of the two but i still there's still this like element that i that hasn't been addressed by the narrative so far that i find really frustrating about like all might wanting to pass down his his ability to someone who also takes the same position as symbol of peace and like number one hero and everything or i mean i guess he hasn't like i guess there are three things there's the the ability one for all symbol of peace and number one hero's position i guess the number one hero position and symbol of peace kind of go neck and neck or whatever they go together but like i just find it weird how like the expectation that alma has that whoever he passes on the ability to should also take the same position he had in society as being the number one because like that's not really, I feel like Deku should be his own person and shouldn't be, you know, just filling out the same mold of All Might. You know, like he, I mean, he's starting to do that with the, the kicking, but like, I think All Might's, you know, direction, I hope we go, get to a point where it's like kind of addressed and it's like, okay, this, this you trying to mentor someone to be exactly like you and to do exactly what you've done and nothing different, kind of like nothing different in that aspect is going to be you know, addressed and kind of criticized and then we'll, we'll look back and be like, okay, well, All Might had flawed ideas. They were, you know, to, to this question, I think, you know, better than Night Eye, but not pure, not like the best ideas. Like, I kind of feel like you need to let the, the ne- next generation do their own thing and, you know, let the whoever happens to be the number one hero in the, like, you know, I just feel like uh, it's admirable that All Might wants to, to train the next generation and wants to, like, ensure there is someone who could be a symbol of peace in the next generation but like to expect that it has to be his successor and can't be anyone else who you know people admire for other reasons seems seems pretty weird and also like logically doesn't really make much sense because like if they already suspect there's a connection between the two of them because their powers are similar to have deku become like the same like be the number one hero who inspires people as a symbol of peace like people would make that connection much much more than they do already (laughs) so I don't know. Maybe that has to be addressed later. I kind of feel that MHA might go in that direction. Like, that it doesn't have to be, like, this set idea of 
what a symbol of peace should be, or there doesn't only have to be one symbol of peace. I mean, it's too early to say for sure, because Midoriya's character arc is very much in following the footsteps of All Might. Mm. But I think it could eventually evolve in the future to him becoming his own hero, separate from, like, All Might's shadow and identity. Yeah, I hope so. I hope, I hope it, like, the arc of the series, you know, eventually includes him surpassing All Might and doing things that All Might, you know, maybe he'll still be around, but, like, All Might never considered. And, you know, I, I, hope, mm-hmm. I hope a part of that is unlocking the, potentially the powers of the previous users of One for All. And then, you know, then maybe his power set is completely different than what All Might had. Yeah. So moving on to, I think, our final question here from Kevin Perales is, is Dobby a Todoroki and what do you think his backstory is? So we answered this question a long time ago during our MHA discussion. But since then, you know, uh, I got some clarification that uh, Todoroki, you know, I was reminded that Todoroki had brothers and Dobby's quirk is fire-based related. He has scars on his face. Huh. So, you know, there there could be something there. If that's the case, as for what I would think his backstory would be, I think, like, you know, he just didn't live up to Endeavor's expectations, so Endeavor tossed him aside, probably gave him those scars, and so he decided to, you know, go through the path of villainy. Oh. Okay, I, I had to I had to like look him up real quick and okay, I remember this guy now. And um okay, with with all this extra information, I'm starting to see why people have this theory going around. I honestly I think there's strong enough evidence. Whereas I think last time we answered this question we were like, Oh no, it couldn't be <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm 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 still not sure. I feel like it's it's a problem with having very similar looking powers that Everyone just assumes everyone's related to each other, so it's a tough, really, thing to call right now. I doubt it, but maybe I don't know. You can make you can make that inference if you feel like it, but it's I'll have to wait until we get there, if we ever get there. Yeah, and I don't. I almost had completely forgotten about Dobby completely. <laughs> I mean, like looking at the page, I'm like, yeah, I remember this arc he was in, but like, I don't know. And that doesn't this isn't a good sign for this theory. Because I feel like if we're setting it up, him to be that big of a deal, probably should have been more memorable. Yeah, I mean, there's this one scene everyone latches onto with that is like where Todoroki like fails to like uh, grab Bakugo when you know he's being taken away, and Dobby's you know tells him like, "Oh, how sad for you, Todoroki," you know. So that's like one scene everyone latches onto to as to like like, "Oh, could there be something there?" So that's one thing I remember about Dobby, but yeah, he hasn't shown up a whole lot since the uh, whole hideout raid thing. So who knows what the what what plans Arkosh has for him? Well, well, here here's a here's a new theory. Um, how do we know he's not related to um to Ocean Dub Vegeta? I don't know. Is Vegeta in the series? Uh, well, oh yeah, so. he he clear he clearly said the same line. You know, sad for you. That's that is clearly a a famous line from from the Ocean Devil Dragon Ball Z. And you know, I think <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying d- d- genetics. It makes sense. It's a compelling theory. Th- th- thank you. I I I spent I spent at least like 14 hours coming up with it. Oh wow! <laughs> you, you should wow. you should share your uh, your charts and your graphs with me. You know. Yeah, Probably. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. I, I want to send them over the screw attack first, but I'll, I'll send them to you right afterwards. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of a lot of stuff you're gonna be sending to them. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> 
but I think that this is from Christmas from Kenna Perales. We've answered pe- these questions from Kevin the Loner, Shagadelic One, Electro Dragonfly, and Love and Stuff on our manga fight, so we we'll, won't be answering them again here, but thank you for sending in those Christian guys. But instead, we'll be moving on to questions from Asterix Blue. His first question is, how could an American hero society tie in with Japan's? They just have them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's... I know that that's, like, obviously they're focusing on Japan right now because, duh. Uh, but I could I could see them having, like, sort of an international flavor eventually down the line. That that seems like a... I mean, even though that the... Um, I think they, they described the, the whole um, sports festival stuff as essentially the Olympics... Olympics 2, but I would like to see maybe like an international flavor eventually down the line if they were to have them. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see the International Hero Society. I could see them going down a route of like making them the American society more like American comics, you know, like more like vigilantism and teams of heroes and things like that than the kind of like super structured agency licensing. Um, yeah. Approach of Japan, um, a, a more a more capitalist society, um, <laughs> a more of like a I do a job you you pay me kind of thing. Yeah, um, I, there's this great article from uh, Nick Freeman uh, on Anime News Network where he like kind of described the difference between like the I, mindset of like American superhero comics and uh, My Hero Academia's world. In that, like, in my both My Hero Academia and One Punch Man, like, it isn't a question that there should be regulations for superheroes, but in stuff like Western comic books, like, that's, like, a big thing that a lot of uh, the characters fight against, the idea that, you know, the government should regulate superheroes, and they shouldn't just be left to do their own thing unchecked. So that would kind of be an interesting parallel to kind of explore in the series itself. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. So I guess moving on, the next question is, what kind of moves could Mineta learn to escalate the top hero status? Uh, uh, the spirit bomb? Uh, yes, a spirit bomb of sticky bombs, yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, you should get a Bankai. Um, um, a Kamehameha of sticky balls, maybe? <laughs> M- maybe a, a, ooh, 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 a sticky ball armor? That could work. Oh, yeah, that's I could. I, that might actually... Yeah, that could be fun. Sticky ball armor. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that wouldn't help. That would just mean that everyone who comes into contact with you gets stuck to you, and then... Well, well yeah, but the, it would minimize damage. <laughs> it, I guess, yeah, I guess yeah. so. <laughs> oh, um, you know what? Holy shit, I just thought of the best idea. It, it, Mineta will basically be the manga equivalent of Katamari Damacy. Damacy, yeah. He'll just be the manga equivalent to that. How awesome yes, would that be, actually? <laughs> Prince of the Cosmos. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> now I just imagine Mineta covering himself in sticky balls and just rolling around collecting things. Honestly, I think that's probably the best direction his character could go at this point. See, see, I think the, the problem with that is that he, um, like, in his current, we currently know about, about his abilities, like, he could attach balls around his body and then roll up one layer of things but then the, that that layer of things wouldn't itself stick to new things so i think he needs to infuse his sticky balls with hockey and then it'll it, it'll transfer <laughs> the ability to the things he sticks to so like there then it'll keep, keep piling up like a like a katamari but will he have all types of hockey 
<laughs> He'll have of like yeah, Supreme King hockey to, just to do it. Uh, I guess moving on to the next question: What role will Ari play in the Eight Precepts of Death plot? And we kind of already learned this in one of the most recent chapters. Like Overhaul is harvesting her quirk to nullify other people's quirks and putting them in drugs that he's distributing around to criminals and stuff. So. I think that's just the straightforward answer to the question. It's a shame the question kind of got answered by time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the next question is, should Mirio, Nedra, and Tamaki be fleshed out as important characters? Which, again, uh, you know, they're going to be involved in this most recent arc, so I think they're going to be important. So I think that also answers that question a little bit. And so I guess his final question is, how should the story transition from school to the workforce when Class 1A becomes seniors? Hmm. Dang. Let's say it's not fantasy book too much, but I would assume that by then, the thing is, like, it would be. I wonder if it would be a lot tougher because um, the the one thing that really keeps the series a lot more fun is that you have these like all these groups together, these these students together. So them kind of separating. They all it, it it wouldn't it wouldn't really make sense to have everyone be in their own similar story at the same time, um, hmm. or at least it would it would it would kind of seem a little bit too forced to find tie a bunch of these characters together for one singular story without being a little bit too forced. So I don't know just yet. I, well, one thing I'm curious. I mean, this is this question is about like once they graduate, but I'm just curious about how up until that point, you know, because like they they've established all these different like yearly events basically and so it's like you know if it goes on to a second year if they, they show them as second years and as third years are they going to repeat those events i mean it would make sense i mean to, to have like the, the school festival the sports festival again and stuff like that but like it, it kind of reminds me of like the way uh, like holidays are handled in sitcoms and that like mm-hmm. you're not sitcom but like any kind of tv show where it's like Oh yeah, here like some of them recently, like Modern Family and uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine have like made a tradition of like, like we're always going to have a Halloween episode and, and so on. But like traditionally, and and birthdays too. I'm thinking of like you know you don't like if you have like ten characters, you're not going to you know feature all ten birthdays every year. You're just going to like yeah. each year kind of like do a random selection based on what stories you want to tell. So maybe mm-hmm. if they keep doing it, like they won't show some of the like the whatever they do for during the summer break, maybe won't be an important thing in the second and third year. But uh, I'm actually curious, like, because I haven't you know, like read too many manga in a similar situation like this, where they're, they're aging through high school. I'm curious, like, is it standard for them to show all three years? Because I think of like Assassination Classroom, which is like, okay, this is one year, one year only. It still took yeah however many years of serialization to get that. So like, c- can you have a story like this that tells all three years? Well, Nisekoi showed all three all three years. Oh, really? I mean, that's a rom com, but uh, I mean, towards the end, they did kind of like. <laughs> rush through the second and third years but uh it, it, they could do it and i guess I, in regards to events like the sports festival i think that they could still make the sports festival interesting revisiting it again in the same way like dragon balls martial arts tournaments were mm. like a thing that happened every like three times but you know all the all the tournaments were interesting and their own unique and different ways. So similarly, I think the sports festival could work like that too. They could do different things each time to mix things up. I was going to put Skep Dance out there, but then I remembered that the manga technically starts them off in their second year of high school. 
we get to see their their first year of high school bits and pieces because that's when they formed their club. But I guess that's kind of an entry, but not really. Um, but uh, actually, I, I had an idea. I wonder. I, I feel like something we're not we're not considering is I feel like at some point there's a, there's a possibility for maybe the the society of My Hero Academia to just possibly just crumble before they can even graduate high school. Hmm. That could happen. Yeah, with the way things are escalating, for sure. I, I feel like somehow this, like, superhero quirk society could just, like, possibly tumble on itself, or somehow the, the villains just start, like, all the villains of the world just somehow, you know, find the opportunity to up uh, to form an uprise, and, you know, basically things go to shit. And maybe, maybe maybe then we'll have a time skip of like uh, three years later or something, and everybody's still trying to recover, and uh, or something like that. I don't know. It's hmm. I don't. I feel like it it could happen, but uh, but I I feel like m- maybe maybe they'll go through all three years of their high school with no problems whatsoever. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure that would happen. I formed a grand unifying theory. So so Luffy comes in right, and he teaches uh-huh. he teaches Kirishima hockey. Okay. And then he he uses hockey on his hardening ability, and then he turns the world to stone. And then ten thousand years later, we have Doctor Stone. So that that's my theory. Oh, oh wow, that's <laughs> that's a great way to have a crossover between those series. <laughs> Man, you should like you should you should send that over to Screw Attack. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are some fun ideas of how to transition. I, I, I like I like Jeff's those. best. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I, th- I think there is potential like, while they're working in hero agencies. Like we're seeing now that there's this, like there's this front between different hero agencies, and so I think there's potential for there to be you know like each arc to focus. Like I don't think we, even if we lose the framing of them all being in the same class, I think there are enough like you know each arc focus on a different uh, you know pairing of three different hero agencies, which gets you like a you know gets you eight different characters. And then the next arc, you get a mm-hmm. different pairing, a different combination of eight characters or something. I think that's... Because even when you have all the kids in the class, you can't really focus on all of them. There's still characters that are almost completely in the background. And, you know, like uh, Todoroki, we didn't really... He like, was shown a couple of times, but didn't really get focused until the Sports Festival arc. And so there's potential like that. Like, you know, they won't be in the background anymore, but they'll just... They'll get their own focus eventually. I, I think there's potential for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's... It's just like... It just being able to creatively shuffle all these characters around and have interesting stories, and, and even if you're just focusing on like Oyama or someone, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you, it, it can be done. I, I think at least he, this this track record has been have been proving very well so far with the, with the series. So I don't think uh, I'm too worried if they want to do that. So yeah, and there's there's still the framing of like competing in the hero ranking to you know, like once uh, Deku gets. If he like becomes number one or whatever, then it's like okay, I don't know where, know where the series can go from there. Like how long it could survive at that before it has to talk about has, has to just be about like passing it down. But uh, I think there's still tons of material to potentially be gained from like when they're in the workforce and trying to you know build up his own. You could have them in agencies and starting their own agencies. Then there's lots of potential there. But yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think uh, yeah, those are some good answers. I think. It'd be really interesting to see what the series does when it gets to that point, if it does. But our final set of questions come from Rated M for Manatees, who asks, what is the most overrated aspect of the series so far, and what is the most underrated aspect of the series so far? All right, I'm going to throw a hot take out here. Um, Oh, oh no, oh no. I think the most overrated aspect of the series is that it's about superheroes. Yeah, (laughs) actually, I would agree with that. Okay. Um, 
in the sense that, like, I feel like it's not it's people with powers, yeah, and I think like everyone's sort of doing their own. Like, I I don't mind the society part of it. I think it's kind of cool. It's just, it's just like uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I've I've seen this enough, or at least I'm kind of. It's hard for me to be invested in the um the superhero aspect, especially if I, since I'm like engaged, I'm actively consuming a lot of like cape. Uh, comic books already so it's just like okay that's kind of that's an interesting gimmick just to get the premise across about this one kid with this one special power but um uh, other than that it's not it's not like the thing that is like the like it's not the most bl and all series that that makes superheroes obsolete at this point this is the one that's always going to be that it it does a good job at it and it's it's still it still has a lot of the shonen aspects to it the shonen manga aspects to it that i you can make this about anything it could be about ninjas it could be about uh cops it could be about uh, accountants accountants <laughs> like with superpowers <laughs> uh but it, it like it, it's there's enough in there that i feel like it's it's not it's not special but it's they do a good job with with the material that they have and it that just i mean i'm i might blow out of proportion by saying it's overrated but it's just like oh it's like not the most interesting aspect of it. It's not like it hasn't been done before. Yeah. Yeah, that's the angle I'm going to get. It's not the most interesting thing about MHA. Yeah. Is that it's about superheroes. There are, like, more ideas and themes that it's exploring yeah. about, like, like... the stories, like, uh, having the char- the way the characters are growing, uh, the way they interact with each other, the morals, everything that's coming out of it is very good. I think that's the most interesting parts of the series but just like it being in the in the shell the cookie shell of uh superheroes is not the most like okay it's nice but the creamy center is the the stuff i really care about i i do agree with that but i I, i'd also like to just to your point i'd also like to say that it's i personally like uh, part of the reason i like my hero academia a lot is while i do agree that you know the fact that it's about superheroes isn't really like it's that's not the most interesting aspect about it. I mean, like the One Punch Man exists. Like th- there are manga out there. It's My Hero Academia is not the only manga about superheroes. And even as far as just Japanese media goes in general, like it's not like uh, it's not like Japanese media doesn't already delve into superheroes a lot. I mean, look at like stuff like the Sentai franchise or Common Rider or whatever. Um, but I will say something I've always enjoyed about My Hero Academia is that um, I I enjoy seeing. Um, seeing that superhero comic influence in a shonen manga, I think it makes for a very interesting and uh, visually pleasing aesthetic, especially when it comes to characters specifically designed in that light, like All Might. Um, so, so I think that's what makes it visually interesting. But I, but I do agree. Yeah, it's yeah, the, the, like like the it's it's basically window dressing, and that's not really like the most interesting aspect about it. I would agree. My Hero Academia has interesting things to say about heroism, and its perspective on heroes is a little bit different than Western hero comic books. Uh, But, again, yeah, I think that just in general, like, there's more to MHA than it's just a manga about superheroes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think think that the powers themselves, like, I keep, like, being like, oh, yeah, I should like this more. There are, like, cool powers and stuff, and I I tend to like things that you know, like have cool powers but then i'm like there aren't that i just feel like them when they fight and they end up using their cool powers it doesn't 
in the abstract feel that different from like when ninjas are fighting and they happen to have fire ice powers and things you know it's like it's yeah. kind of it's yeah. like i think we come to expect it that like in battle manga once they battle there will be cool powers being used so it's like when you look back it's like oh i kind of forgot that they all have like the quirks what i mean not you don't actually forget that but you know what i mean that it's like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't feel that different in that aspect so it's like everyone says like <laughs> oh yeah it's superpowers and superheroes and stuff it's like okay but like day to day reading it doesn't feel that that aspect doesn't feel super present compared to other series yeah like they could be psychic it could be wizards like, <laughs> it still works <laughs> yeah so that's an overrated aspect we feel mha is but what about an underrated aspect sometimes i feel like uh people don't give enough credit to uh some of the characters like i feel like uh I feel like Midoriya probably, I, I feel like he doesn't get enough credit as the main character because I think he's a, a legitimately relatable and interesting main character when he wants to be. Hmm. Yeah, I think the character writing in MHA is strong. And I feel like people who criticize the series as a generic shonen with, you know, stock archetypes are really not giving the series enough credit for its character writing and like how it executes its tropes and yeah it's, it's like it's like it's it's like doctor said like this is still very shonen but like i feel like it's still i personally feel like it executes its tropes very meaningfully and i feel like executes them in certain ways that i don't feel like we see in other shonen manga super often yeah i mean <laughs> what i was gonna say for like the most underrated aspect is just how it's like i think what there's a lot in terms of like when people talk about the series and they kind of write it off especially with the anime at least i mean the anime was the first season was particularly slowly paced but like they like yeah. oh yeah it, it's like it's well executed but like it was just so like bland shonen-y and like it was just like pure shonen and i was like i don't really want just pure shonen and it's like it, it is like it does have a lot of those tropes and i can see why people say that but it also like it really defies a bunch of tropes or it doesn't defy them i think it's like novel in how it uses them or it, like it goes for the it uses them differently it uses them differently but also like it kind of I think of this a lot in comparison to Black Clover, and I feel like Black Clover leans very heavily into using the tropes in the most effective way, in the most like not the most like not that this is less effective, but that it's like goes for the the most uh, efficient, like the easiest to pull off and the most uh, bang for yeah. buck. And so it's like, and if you're used to seeing those mm -hmm. tropes, then Black Clover can feel like okay, well you're just like repeating things I've already seen before. But if you're not, then it's like. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely how mm -hmm. I felt about Black Clover at the start. But we 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 talked about that for two hours. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, yeah. But so I, I bet if you like, if you're not used to that, then reading Black Clover, you're like, oh my god, so many emotional highs and lows. But but where is um, my hero academia? And I feel like I put uh, World Trigger in a similar boat actually, where it's like it doesn't it like it takes more time to earn some of the things, and, mm -hmm. and a lot of people can just read that as being bland. But because it doesn't like it doesn't ride the the roller coaster as hard, but it like I'm just thinking I'm also thinking of the um, during the sports festival when Deku um, basically like chooses to lose against Todoroki to get him to have a revelation so that he can like unlock his his firepower and use it whatever and it's like that that um, like inspiring him to to grow as a person is like in the abstract so similar to what Asta does every every arc every page by just being there. <laughs> But like it's so much more earned. It's so it's it's a much harder thing to execute. And like in the abstract, it's like yeah, it's the same like it's the same emotional wave. But it's like it's so much more effort was put into it. It's a much harder task to pull off. It feels I think if you're reading into the details, it feels much more rewarding. 
But if you're just like not reading the details, it's like, yeah, okay, well, it's just shown any. But it's like it's it it pulls off. It, it works harder for this similar tropes, and there's more depth there if you read into it. I think. Yeah. 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 I'd agree with that. But I think that does it. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for sending in your Q and A's. This was a pretty healthy sized Q and A episode, <laughs> two hours. I think. I guess we made a good call of uh of saving this for its own thing. <laughs> But yeah, thank you guys for sending in your questions. Uh, we really appreciate it. And if you have any more questions to send us about, you know, just about anything, make sure to send those to mangamavericks at gmail.com. And I want to thank you guys for all coming on the show and discussing some more MHA with us today. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I am, I am academia out at this point now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Doc's like, okay, finally, I never have to talk about this stupid series again. <laughs> no, no, I, but I really enjoyed it. I think it's it, it's it's going through several different roller. It was a roller coaster of a ride, I'll say that. So, but I came out of it uh, really enjoying the series, and now having to at least watch uh, or at least read it every other week would be a lot more <laughs> beneficial for myself and my sanity. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and thanks for having me on. I think, like I mentioned before, it's like at the end of the last episode, it's like by inspecting the series and, or going back and rereading parts, it's like I think it, it really I gained a lot more appreciation for it. I went into it being like, oh, my hero academia, meh, waiting for something big to happen. And now I'm like, oh, yeah. Like I think when you go into each arc not knowing how the arc's going to turn out, it's like, oh, that wasn't that surprising. Oh, well. But if you go into it knowing how it's going to turn out, you're like, oh, yeah, the character beats. Like I, I love all these little character beats and like, um, going through the anime re- recently and it's like oh yeah like if you know how things are going to turn out I feel like it's so much more easy to appreciate those little character things and the series is great when you go in that detail that level and so it's a thanks for uh, encouraging me to, to go back and look at it again yeah no problem this yeah this the series is definitely I think a lot more rewarding on a reread as I've also learned and a lot of fun to discuss with other people I mean it's a it's a it's a series with a lot to it that's worth appreciating and worth discussing and I, I, we've had some great conversations today so I just want to thank you guys again. This was a lot of fun. So Jeff, where can the good people find you? Uh, I host a podcast called Podigist, talking about Digimon. We're currently covering Digimon Frontier. And I'm also on Twitter at Jeff Only Jeff. And you can occasionally find me on on the Shonen Jump podcasts. Occasionally. Not as a regular host, but on some episodes. Um, that's about it. And Doctor, how about you? Yeah, I, I run the Aspector's Enemy podcast over at ssaapodcast.com. Uh, new episode hopefully will be out soonish. I'm going to be actually recording it later today <laughs> with the day we record this episode. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at ssaapodcast. And I also run Jessica Gintama podcast over at gintamapodcast.com. Plenty of ways to find me. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Gintama podcast, Colton. Where can the people find your stuff? Well, uh, I also run another Gintama podcast because I just like to throw a wrench into things like that. Um, <laughs> you can uh, you can find that. That's Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga Cast over at GintalifeLessons.wordpress.com. And uh, you can also uh, listen to One Podcast Prevails, where we, uh, me and Doc actually like to talk about uh, the Detective Conan slash Case Closed Manga as it's still being released by Viz Media. Uh, we've been covering... Uh, well, he's he's technically been covering the series from the very beginning. I just kind of happened to jump on for the ride. Um, and, uh, you know, he's been covering uh, uh, the manga from the very beginning as sort of a retrospective kind of thing. Uh, hopefully we'll be recording another episode of that pretty soon. And uh, you can find that at One Podcast Prevails 
WordPress.com, and uh, I should probably mention before I forget, uh, you can also find me on Twitter at SniperKing323, that's S-N-I-P-E-R-K-I-N-G-323, uh, and uh, that's about it. Cool, and you can find me on Twitter at at Lumromayasha, and you can also find me on Amateur Revelation. Outside of this podcast, I'm start writing more reviews of manga for all comic, so you can keep an eye out for those when they get published. And as for the podcast as a whole, you can find it on allcomic.com and iTunes. And you can also find us on our YouTube page. Just search for Manga Mavericks. It's the first search result, thankfully. Remember, guys, we need a 100 subscribers to get that custom URL. So please like and subscribe our content on there. And if you have any feedback or suggestions for us, uh, rate and leave us a review on iTunes. And send us any feedback and questions to us at our email, magamavericks at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter as well. Uh, yes, follow us on Twitter as well at at manga ma- underscore mavericks and on Tumblr at magamavericks.tumblr.com. That's the places where you can best follow the podcast and keep up with the updates of our show and what will be coming down the pipes next. And we sure have a lot of podcasts coming down the pipes in May. But... I think that does it for this very special MHA Q&A special, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Sayonara! Bye-bye.